Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Questlove Supreme. Uh, I'm your host, Questlove. Uh, We have Team Supreme with us. Um, Let's see. We have Sugar Steve. Hi, everybody. Where you, right now you're you're live on location. Where you at, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I'm outside of Radio City Music Hall, recording live for uh, Questlove Supreme. <laughs> right, nice, nice. Our fan, our fan base is out there. That's awesome. Sugar yeah. on the street. Sugar yeah, on we're the on the street. Yeah, I like exactly. That. Steve knows yep. time as it is. That's where his fans are on the street out there. So <laughs> living there, um, doing the thing. We have uh, unpaid bill. Yes, sir. How's it going, uh, boss? How's the how's the wine bar? You what are you drinking tonight? Little champagne, let's call it tonight. Per- it's delicious. <laughs> per- per- pain. <laughs> it's it's for the pain. It's propane. It's pro. It's delicious. Propane. This, it this is good. your favorite part of the day when you when you get down to your yeah. Room. I get to see my friends, have a drink, and uh, you know talk about the shit. I see. But, All right, Fontigolo, you you cool down yeah. there in, uh yeah man, Kakalaki. I, no. I can't say it now. No, he, yeah. He's just wanting me to say North Carolina. I can't stop. No, it's it. I can't you call NC North Carolina, whatever. <laughs> I, no, I'm chilling, man. It's cool. I, I need some other. I might need some other. I mean, yes, I believe you know your state very well, but I need some other witnesses because nah, I heard anybody, any nigga saying that shit is over fifty. Well, okay, that's nah. what Al, well, Al Sharpton did. Like, say that. no, ain't no, ain't no young nigga saying that shit. We don't say that shit no more. Like, the, come on, bro. Like, nah, nah, bro. Is there All a Philadelphia right. equivalent of here? Like Philadelphia, some shit. Like, what? I mean, we invented the word Philadelphia. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. But then it became Philadelphia in uh, 2006, so we, <laughs> we ended that. Uh, Laya, yes, how are you? I'm Margaret. Y'all, look at you. Yeah, Damn, Margaret. I forgot. I we, forgot we too. Had Margaret in the house. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I will say that our uh, esteemed guest today is definitely hip hop royalty. And I'm not making that reference because uh, she's UK based. Uh-huh. She came first to our attention 
as a member of uh, what I think is one of the most innovative collectives in music, not just hip hop, but music. And I'm speaking, of course, of the Native Tongues. She's one of the first generation international MCs. Uh, she's made her mark, given memorable verses on singles uh, for a, a vast array of people, be it Whitney Houston, Fine Young Cannibals, Prince, the Jungle Brothers, De La Soul, Raskas, Common. At least we forget or not forget her classic performance on the anthem Ladies First with Queen Latifah. And um, also at the top of the new millennium, she shifted her golden voice to radio. Uh, especially in my hometown of Philly. Remind me to ask you about that Jeezy conversation, by the oh. way. I've never spoken about that. <laughs> I've heard a lot about it. I'm, you know, I'm Philadelphian. I got I, I always wanted to ask you that. Can't wait. Um, also, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, as well, as well as her uh, nationwide show on uh, Sirius FM, Ladies First. Probably uh, the biggest marvel here about our guest is her refusal. And her inability to age <laughs> as a mother of four, I assume four fully grown kids and a, a, a grandmother. Uh, I swear to God, our guest will remain about 28 years old until yes. the year 19,084. Yes, amazing. Okay. Yes. Um, what can I say? Long time coming, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Moni Love to Quest Love Supreme. Yes. All right. Look, I'm as as a man, I'm learning lessons uh post 2020. Um <laughs> not to comment on people's physicality or their age or whatever, but this this has to be spoken about. What is your secret to to youth? I don't have a secret to youth. I mean, I don't know why everybody keep everybody always says that because trust me, my knees have got more cracked than Harlem in the 80s. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> but what lotion you putting on at night, though? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. this what, is this that Chris Rock money lotion? Like, what is it? I don't, you know, honestly, um, I, drink a, I drink a lot of water. Yeah, That's for sure. I really do. I really do. And it sounds really corny, but I really do drink a lot of water. And um, aside from that, I'm still keeping up with the kids. Like, I've still got kids that I'm chasing around the house and, and so on and so forth, you know? How old is your youngest? Uh, 12. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I see. Yeah, I mean, there's some times where, like, I can't tell the difference between you and Charlena and, you know, I can't. Like, you know, half the time the I'll, I'll look no, at Moni and, like, I get it, yeah, because there's I'll a lot think of that either your, your daughter must have taken your iPhone and posted a pic on IG or whatever, but... Yeah, more, more, more power to you. I want whatever you're drinking. Cause you have it, uh, sir. Water. You have. I want to live forever. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, water. Right now, as you speak, what is the environment in Atlanta? Because to the rest of the United States, oh, mm, we're just we're we're kind of side eyeing mm. the shit, and not the residents, but you right. know, more or less them too. And no, well, not even uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Keisha. Not even Keisha. Oh no, no, right. no, 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 Keisha, cool, yeah. Because cool. I know where she stands. Yeah, yeah. But right now, I'm just hearing like everything that Atlanta is Sodom and Gomorrah. Like basically, honestly, no, honestly, I can understand why everybody else is looking at Atlanta like that because to to a lot 
uh, in a lot of areas, like things should be closed that are not closed. So I understand why everybody else is looking at it like, yeah, what are you guys doing out there? Honestly, me speaking for myself, I'm going with the train of thought as we're not supposed to be doing a bunch of, a bunch of stuff. You know, I do A to B. I leave, the, I leave the house. I go to the radio station. I do the radio station, the show. I come home. I might stop at the grocery store, pick up groceries for the kids or what have you. That's about it. You know, I just, I don't really do too much. <laughs> And neither do my kids. You know, everybody's homeschooled, which is I share my laptop. I share my desktop, which mm-hmm. is why nothing in my house is sacred anymore. Right. But they do. They are. They're doing too much. They're doing too much. In general, is there a kind of like, is there a, a true awareness of, of at least for, you know, I'm, I know it's for everybody, but even for black people, like that there's a danger out there. I understand that. You know, at least some of the the the, the hotep cats that I know <laughs> that are. Are you allowed to say that? I mean, what the word hotep? Yeah. What? Yeah, that's a real. Like that, large... start, yeah, but that starts. That starts like fights. I mean, you know, if the shoe fits, <laughs> I'm just saying, like if the motherfucking shoe fits. We just we just live in a time in which you know, I mean, where facts are optional. And everyone's <laughs> everyone's opinion is sort of subjective to what they think, you know. Right, right, and right. And right. I mean, it's bad enough with my family. Like I, me trying to convince certain family members that they should get the vaccine. And you know, I understand the 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 history that we've had with it and the trepidation and all that stuff. But I mean, it's just exhausting enough arguing with nine family members about this. I, I mean, I can't even imagine what it's just like in Atlanta where, I mean, I've seen clips of all-star weekend where people were just like, yeah, I'm crazy. I skipped. So you haven't had to host any parties or anything like that down there? Well, I did. uh, No, I did. Actually I did. You know what I did? I went to Tampa and I did the super driving concert. And that was me (laughs) and alumni. It was me. Special Ed, Chub Rock, Kwame, and Dana Dane. And we did that. And that was a drive-in. That was my first drive-in oh, cool. concert. So that was, yeah, that was interesting. That's safe. Do people respond by honking their horns? Absolutely. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when Dana starts doing nightmares, like people are like. It was amazing. That was my first experience with that. And it was absolutely that. Like when you say make some noise, it's like. Next time you rap to Chubb, tell him that I'm going to pay his $2,000 debt to Prince Paul. So I can just. Oh so my I could just, God. You so I could just stop. That. If Paul tells the story one more time, man, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna just cover this debt so that <laughs> so that Paul wow. can live. No. Okay, so of of course I I I know some areas of your life, but um for our listeners who don't know, what part of of uh were you born in the UK? What part yeah. of the UK? Yeah, were, absolutely. Where? Uh South London, Chelsea. I was born in Ch- since in Chelsea and okay. that is South London okay South London can you talk about the environment of of what South London was uh when you were growing up yeah okay so being black 
And in England, you're either Caribbean descent or straight up African. Like mm-hmm. your, your, your parents come from Ghana or Nigeria or uh, mostly Ghana or Nigeria or your parents come from any of the Caribbean. So it could be Trinidad, it could be Grenada, it could be Barbados, St. Lucia, Jamaica. My family's all from Jamaica. And okay. that's what makes up the black population pretty much when I was growing up in England. Now it's it's a lot people from everywhere, more places. But back then that's what it was. And the reason why it was that is because I think like in the uh, 50s, they uh, England reached out to its Commonwealth countries to bring in manpower to help to rebuild the country after the last series of wars. Mm-hmm. And so they reached out to their Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth, mm-hmm. which is all the countries that they owned. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's keep it banned. Yeah, let's just do that, shall we? Yeah, we need y'all um, niggas yeah. to come build this shit back up. Basically, yeah. <laughs> y'all so polite. They so polite. Yeah. They so polite about it. I love it. And so, yeah. my grandfather was amongst them. And so, what happened was, families, the heads of families, went over to England, and then bit by bit, they send for their wives and they send for their children and so on and so forth. But by that time, my grandfather had already had, my grandparents had already had five kids that were older and left. My mother was of the last five. She was the younger five, so she had to get shipped off to her parents in England, which nerve-wracking for her, she told me, because she she didn't even know what a coat was. And so she got wow. to England. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she got to England and was like, <gasps> what is this? <laughs> it's cold, you know? So yeah, and then that's what, that's pretty much how a lot of our parents, people in my age bracket, how a lot of our parents got England. So hence, mm-hmm. we were born in England. My generation is, generation in my family born outside of jamaica okay so i don't know when this will air exactly but we're sort of speaking right now right when uk is on the the sort of the for, uh, forefront of the news with how the the, the monarchy and its relationship with Meghan the african-american community institution um, yeah i, I with know the african-american community or, i'm sorry not uh, i'm so used or, to saying that uh, the black community of the UK. Okay. Oh but, man, but I just did a Patrice O'Neill thing. You know when Patrice <laughs> jokes that when he goes to European countries and still calls them foreigners, like <laughs> right. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> really funny. Yeah, yeah. That's actually sorry quite about funny. that. And is, um, that, is that even the term that you say, Mo? Like, what, no, what I do the black? No, what, no, that's what I'm saying. I did not hear the term African American until I came to this country. No, but what do you call? So do they? Do you say the blacks of the UK? Like, is that something that you say as a black? We person? just we just say black people, a black person. Black people. We like oh, we British, black British, 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 right, 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 black Brit. No, right, no, not really. Um, no. But what I, the thing is, you know, I was watching the news today, and um, they had a you know a bunch of news pundits on, talking about uh, well, mainly Markle versus uh, old boy from who used Pierce. to be on Pierce, mm-hmm. Pierce, Morgan. Pierce Morgan, and you know when he was speaking of his disgust of certain figures in the media and especially with the prime minister there i mean i noticed that he was using talking points that i thought were just exclusively for african americans in the united states Mm. like i thought just i thought basically like post-slavery stereotypes of black people like he was saying that the prime minister was on the record once saying that you know like 
every black person here in London has watermelon smiles and was using terms like Piccaninny and things that I thought were exclusively just for like mm-hmm. based in down South American terms mm-hmm. that I've never heard used in Europe before, which I mean, I foolishly, I mean, of course I know that racism but, is, is worldwide. So is, but, nigger, so is nigger. Right. But that's the yeah. thing. Like I, no, I, I never re- heard that until I came to this country. What? Right. But I'm saying that's oh. the thing. I, 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 I haven't heard, the terms used for us in the United States over there. So I wanted to know, wow. like, what what was our, our version of your the version N-word, of that? Our version of the N word was wog. Mm, wog. W o g wog. You're a wog. Yeah. So wow. if a white person calls you wog, then it's time to start throwing hands. If if a white person calls you a wog, they're going to be tonsilless. Wow. Oh, but do, but do, <laughs> do other black people call themselves wogs? No. So then they're okay. So there's not a term. So it's there. not a. Right. It's not a term. There's no. not a WWE. No, and, the, and, the, and the word wog comes from the end of gollywog. And a gollywog, if you look that up, was one of those like black face dolls. It's like a rag doll. Okay. Right? So it's made out of material. Okay. And it's black face with wool hair. Right. And it looks like actually kind of like it's dressed like how Al Jolson right. used to dress. Yeah. So it's a rag doll. It's a rag doll that's dressed like Al Jolson. It's black face with wool coat. And that's a gollywog. Hmm. Wait, now I'm curious that was, if that yeah. even has a relationship to the word polywog. Polywog. I was thinking that too. Yeah. I've heard that used in many uh, punk rock Song title or something like that. So, what's it mean? That I don't. Polywog. A polywog is like a little like toad or something, right? It's like a kind of oh, okay, frog or yeah. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, I think that is that is. But gollywog was a doll. That ain't that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I ain't never. All right. Got it. All right. Locked in. Yeah. But growing up, what you know for for some Americans, polywog is a tadpole. I just okay, tadpole. But growing up in over there, how how long were you over there before you, before you came to the United States? I left I left England uh, for good when I was seventeen and changed. Okay, so up until that point, what was was there racial tension at all, or like absolutely, what? absolutely? It's just like it's just like uh, forgive the uh, similarity, but it's like um, a cool a Kool Aid of a different flavor. Well, I feel you because it's like you know. Whereas you may consider the the Kool Aid flavor over here of the the f shit that was going on, you might consider that red. Okay, well, it, but it was uh, orange. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It, it, but it was still it was <clears throat> it was still part of the Kool Aid. Oh yeah, there used to be this group of um. You couldn't like. The, you would have fear. I'd had. A, I have an older brother. I would have fear for my brother to be out past a certain time because I would be scared that he'd bump into a group of National Front guys. National f- guys were skinheads. Yeah, basically Nazis. With, yeah. Yeah, they were skinheads with high Dr. Martin boots and mm, then and, uh, green they read the flight red. jacket. There were the red suspenders and the uh yeah yeah that stuff right and you get you know they you black boy a couple of black boys get caught wrong side of town it's late or whatever they get done in they get done in beat to a pulp death you know see 
okay, that's that was my next question. Whereas, you know, teenage me, my dad would probably have more fear that the police would do that to me first. And then second, you know, going in the wrong side. I mean, we never, Philadelphia really didn't get caught up in gang culture. Similar to mm-hmm. if I were growing well, there up was in that, there was LA. That because there was a lot of markings on the wall saying national front rules and go back, go wogs, go home and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it, ex- it existed. And, and parents would be scared mainly for their sons because the sons would always be the ones that would be prone to be out. The daughters would be at home, you know, and um, it, they would be scared for their sons running into groups of national front kids and kicked in and also the sad the the sad vans and the sad vans are paddy wagons Mm. Mm -hmm. and that's what we used to call them sad vans are you have you watched um small acts yet no and you know something i just got told about it i just got told about it about and i was like i need to watch it i really do and then i saw some of the uh trailers for it and i'm like oh my god this is exactly (laughs) Yeah, this is exactly how we came up over there. Exactly how we came up. Yeah, pe- the the first two to me were. Did you watch the rest of it, Fonte? Or I watched. I just watched Lovers Rock. I haven't seen the other ones. Oh, you just seen the second one, the House Party one. Ah, uh, the House Party one. I, I gotta watch okay. the one with your yeah, boy. Yeah, Lovers Rock and Lovers Rock is a whole genre of music. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. that we used to listen to. Absolutely. I see. Music, music wise, you know, I I guess for us. Even though he didn't parade it as as hard as I expected him to, you know, Slick Rick was sort of our, I guess, our introduction that hip hop is a worldwide thing and not just a local New York thing. But like, what what was the the environment as far as hip hop was concerned? Like, how did it reach you over there? Okay, uh, through videos, through videos, through um. Wild Star videos, um, breaking videos, uh, graffiti videos. It came to us like that. We didn't get just first run or like bootlegs. We do well. I think bootlegs tapes of okay. like Wild Style, and um, and then that led on to actual real releases of like Breaking and Beach Street. But that's okay. how it that's how it got to us. When we got hip hop, we didn't get it in its music form first. We got it in its art form as far as the movement end of it first. That's how Oh, so you it. didn't have a rapper's delight on radio. What the hell is this? Um <laughs> Yeah, we did, but we well, still Yeah, didn't. that that song was ubiquitous. It but. was it was kind of disco y. We didn't we we didn't make the connection between hip hop, the culture that 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 came out of the rubble. You know, we didn't make that connection when we saw Rapper's Delight on Top of the Pops, which Top of the Pops is like a British version of American Bandstand. So when we saw them on on Top of the Pops doing Sugar Hill Gang, doing um, Rapper's Delight, we didn't make the connection with the hip hop culture yet. We started started assimilating our own pseudo movement of hip hop in England once we started seeing going on and as far as tapes of wild style and um and as a matter of fact somebody that helped deliver us more so of the culture more so than sugar hill gang for england at least was malcolm mclaren because he included them <laughs> breaking in his video oh for buffalo girls and and we those. saw that 
And that's another way that we started making the connection. And so we, we started, we developed crews. I, again, I was spinning on my back. I, was, I wasn't rhyming first. <laughs> well, so you started off his, dancing. You started off dancing yeah, first before rhyming. Yeah. What was, his, what was his true role over there? I mean, you, you hear Malcolm's name mentioned, of course, with the Sex Pistols and then, you know, his early forays into to electronic hip hop in 82, 83. But, um, I mean, was he this Spengali Warhol figure over there or like what? Absolutely. That's exactly his position. That is exactly his position. He, like did he throw he, parties or, you know? No, no. I wouldn't say that, or or if he did, I certainly wasn't in that crowd, and none of my peers were in that crowd. But what he did do, and where we did make a direct connection with with um, Malcolm McLaren, is that he ushered in the 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 dance art form of hip hop culture. He ushered that. He helped to usher that in to the to us British kids for us to look at that and be like, "How are they doing that? Mm. Okay. How are, we figure out how how to do that? How are they doing that?" No, I was gonna say, do you remember what folks? What was before hip hop? Then, like, what was what were young kids listening to? The police. We were listening to the. Pol- <laughs> we were listening to the police. We were listening to. Um, Dexter doing Midnight. the Carlton the Roxanne. <laughs> we was listening. Yeah, we was. We, wow. we weren't. You know, we wasn't. We weren't doing anything. We didn't get hit by the hip hop cultural bug yet. You know, we all we had. Was, Police makes sense though. They make with the ska, the the, the ska we, reggae. It was no, absolutely, yeah. because it was a very heavy. A lot of the British bands were heavily influenced by the Caribbean mm-hmm. population in the England. Clash, so you know, there's this there's this group called Bad Manners, and they they were like a ska band too. What's was the was name? Bad Manners. Okay, Bad Manners. They, okay. they were yeah, they were a ska band too. Um, of course, like we mentioned the Police. Midnight Runners, um, the specials, the specials. That's another one heavily spiked. There was two Jamaican guys in the group. So you mean like, were they, okay, explain this. What the hell's a Rudy? I hear the term Rudy mentioned. White shirt, white shirt, skinny black tie, black jacket. um, Like a pork pie hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drain pipes. Drain so pipes. the cats that look like fishbone. Are these white guys or black guys? Like every oh. time I hear a Rudy, is that like rude boy or something? Or like- yes, it's it's the British version of what Jamaicans would call rude boy. <laughs> I see. <laughs> no, because you know when I hear Sky songs, they are always talking about Rudy, and I thought yeah. like kind of that Johnny. What was Johnny Taylor's word? Like oh uh, Jody. Jody Jody yeah okay. Jody. Right. So I thought that Rudy was just like this fictional character or whatever that they just no. yeah, they fucked your woman while you was away. No. Right. That's what I thought. But <laughs> <laughs> No, no. A Rudy is a British version of what Jamaicans call rude boy. Okay. Like if you look at early pictures of Bob and Bunny and Peter Tush, right? Look at early pictures before everybody got locks. They were rude boys. Mm. Oh, okay. Oh, and well, since you brought it up, can you talk about your daddy? Yeah, my dad's my my dad was a rude boy. My dad's uh, and my dad is full fledged Rasta right now. Yeah, <laughs> really? yeah, yeah. My dad's full fledged Rasta. Uh, I tell he's been you know all my life. His his locks is now under his feet. Oh, 
hold wow. his cue so. Oh, wow. Okay. Was like he involved rugs? in music at all? or was Yeah, he my dad played trumpet. Oh, okay. Yeah, my dad played so. trumpet when I was growing up. So the house was very musical. Um, Sundays was his days when he would practice. So he would put on a Louis Armstrong or a Miles Davis and he would play along to it. And that would be his 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 practice. And that would happen on Sundays. And once I hear the trumpet going, that means I have to get up and I have to clean the bathroom downstairs and I have to clean <laughs> my room. <laughs> it was it was intuitive. You know, you know what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah so, yeah, play trumpet. And um, he was in a, a, a jazz band in England okay. when I was growing up. Were you I'm not I'm not trying to stereotype I, I don't know it's, it's just a lot of a lot of the black people that i met in the uk when they're talking about growing up in the 70s they would tell me that basically like a lot of their their parents were super super conservative so you know they didn't have experiences of like sneaking out the house at 13 to go to whatever a studio 54 was or that okay. sort of thing like were you a club kid at all or was cool Herc's version of hip hop your music experience where you know there's playing on the the streets or no i we well let's see when i started breaking and stuff like that we would go to covent garden during the day in the afternoon and that's where and i would make sure all my chores were done so that i could bounce and my parents wouldn't have anything to say um but but be back at a certain and I would go to Covent Garden, meet up with my friends, and we would just pop and break and just practice all day, either in Covent Garden Square or in the Charing Cross Tube Station because the floors were really smooth in the Charing Cross Tube Station. So we really? could, uh, so we could get some really good windmills in and backspins and stuff <laughs> down there. Oh, so you were a serious B girl? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I, I thought I didn't know your level was. I didn't know it was curiosity or like. No. This no. is some real shit I'm doing. No, yeah, no, we would battle. We would battle each other. It was all different crews. Seriously, we developed fake beef with North Londoners just for no reason because. <laughs> you needed somebody to battle. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's that would be my side of town. Okay, so <laughs> did, did people like go to different territories or was it territorial, i.e.? Yeah, it was very California. territorial. It was very territorial. Um, you know, we, we took it seriously and there were fights sometimes. And yeah, we took so it really I meant, seriously. So I like you would not be caught on in Candom Market or any like. Only if somebody came over and was performing and they were at a place called, um, what was the, what was the name of the uh, electric ballroom in Camden town. And sometimes there would be performances there. Like I saw Chuck Brown and the Soul Searchers. At, oh, wow. wow. Yeah. I, I saw, I saw Chuck Brown and Soul Searchers at, at, in, in Camden Town at Electric Ballroom. Absolutely. Really? Wow. Yeah. I also saw Stetsasonic in that same venue. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hip-hop, so, hip-hop wise, like, how how big was the, the local talent? Because, again, like, there was, I knew of Slick Rick. There's, a, there's another dope rapper that was out, like, in 1987. I'm having a brain from the UK? Right now. From the UK. Derek not Derek D. B. MC Derek B. Uh, Derek not Derek B. Uh, was it Cookie Crew. Cookie not Cookie Crew, crew but it's like this say? guy. He, I, he always ended his verse with sharper than a heart attack. 
but he was rhyming over Bobby Bird's I'm Coming. It's like, ah, they played it a few times in like 88, wait, but wait. I forget it. Say I forget his name, say but how he ended it. Wait, wait, say how he ended it. <laughs> Sharper than a heart attack. <laughs> it's my rhyme in cold effect. Like, no, no, but I liked him because that sounds like the nigga from Snap, dude. <laughs> <laughs> turn... But this, this is the thing. <laughs> I liked him because don't say this, don't say that. Everybody is a critic. Change the look. <laughs> No, Yo, and I still have, and I'm still not convinced that that guy is not Ving Rhames. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm still, I'm still not convinced. I've never seen the snap him nigga and Ving in the same. Oh, I ain't never seen God. him in the same place. No, but the thing is, is that with with most UK artists, they lose their accent once they start singing and rapping. But he maintained that that accent throughout and that's why i liked him but i i wish i knew his name but when um, i get off this podcast i'm gonna hear that over and over <laughs> again <laughs> i'm sorry yo what's up this is fonte fontigolo from team supreme black representation in media is very important to me i think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. How did they look at that stuff, though, Boney? Like, like Derek B. and Cookie Crew, how were they received in the UK at that time? Well, they, they were received very well because they were our first generation of born and bred British art first wave. Brit we Papa was from there, too, right? Yes. We Papa Girls, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah Cookie, but... Cookie Crew were my main I was babysitting. I used to roll with them everywhere to all their shows, be it their sound checks. I learned a lot from being around them. Really? I came up, yeah, I came up under Susie Q and Debbie D. I came up under them. I love it, man. Like, yeah. I, I remember buying, uh, they they once played in a different world, on a different world, the first season. Oh. There's a clip of, of Dwayne and uh, um, Denise, back when Lisa Bonet was on the show, mm-hmm. doing the WAP to, what was their first single? Females Get On Up? Females. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... I remember, I don't know, like back then, mm-hmm. if, if a song was on a sitcom, then you asked you about it. it the next day yeah. and then you got it. So, you made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You made, but like, what do you know what they're doing now or? Well, I know I, Debbie D, still, I mean, uh, Remedy, Remedy is her uh-huh. name. Remy, Remedy, not Debbie D. Debbie D is a, 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 another of my, uh, another of my female MCs that I look up to, Debbie D's from the Remedy is out of the cookie crew. And I speak to her. She's uh, really well. She works. She actually heads her own marketing company in London now. Mm. And she still works very much within um, the music business specifically because she has firsthand knowledge of being herself. So she works, uh, has a, her own marketing firm in the entertainment business in England. Okay. So, how did you get the how did you make the transition uh into becoming an MC and taking it serious enough to actually doing it? Right. Um when did it was pretty much when did it stop being a hobby or a secret that only was shared between me and the bathroom mirror with a toothbrush? Oh um, wow, you was Issa for real. You <laughs> <in there. laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, like who who pulled you out of your shyness and said you should do this? You know what? It was it was a bit of envy. And the envy came from I did a wait, October, December, January, February. I did a five five month stint at George Wingate High School in Brooklyn, New York. My mother was in transition of possibly moving to the United States. She had a job for uh, a respected um, Jewish lawyer 
in Manhattan at his office and he was going to sponsor my mother. She came over, she, you know, she worked for his family, took care of his children or what have you. And uh, in return, he was going to, you know, do her visa and a paperwork. That's how a lot of people did it back then. And um, she brought me with her because I was the youngest one. Mm-hmm. And we were living in Brooklyn on East 28th Street between Clarence and you. And I went to George Wingate High School and they mm-hmm. had metal detectors which is something I had never seen before. <laughs> I was about to say, because you school. went from living from a place where they didn't, the cops didn't have guns to a place where they I went. I went from Catholic school, Notre Dame, all girls, uniform with a crest Yikes. on my blazer, wearing, okay? I went from that to lean on me. Just <laughs> <laughs> the clock. Some, really? Some guys of Kid Ray. Yeah, you know, so wow. it, was, it, was, it was quite a culture shock for me. But I found myself in the same high school as MC Light. MC Light was already an aspiring MC, and I would have to listen to her talk about how she was at Latin Quarters. Oh shit! Uh, and and so this is where the envy kicked in. Did someone say Latin Quarter? Oh, yes. oh there, 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 there. <laughs> wait, I'm sorry, I, I just came back in the room. Did someone say Latin Quarter? <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh, Put a pen in it. We be we're back. Yeah. Okay, so that's where the envy came in. So I, when I left and went back to England after doing like six months going to school in Brooklyn, and I went to England, and then I was like. If only light knew, I'm just as dope. I'm dope too. I can rhyme. It was a secret. I never told anyone. You know? Really? Yeah, it was a secret. I'm just, I, I'm a wordsmith. English was my favorite language. Poetry was my favorite thing. Um, I love words, you know? And so it was something I had a knack for. So I, I kept it a secret that I would write poems and write poetry and stuff. And so by the time I went back to England and then I would be like, I should have told her, I should have told light that I'm dope too, and blah, 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 right? So through all of that, I started letting it out, you know? I started letting it out that I could do this once I got home to England. So I made a name for myself. So the next time I saw Light, right, the next time I saw Light, she came over to England to do a show, and I went to that show, right? (laughs) And I made sure that I got backstage, right? And then... When um, I said, hi, she's like, oh, my God, you, you're, you know, you're back, you're back here. And I was like, yeah. I said, guess what? I was like, I could rhyme, too. Let me bust a verse for you. <laughs> <laughs> how, how old are you at this point? How old are you? Seven, like 16 and change. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't turned 17 yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the best auditions. Right? <laughs> Do you remember, what, you remember what you and did? And she didn't see this Just coming right at there. all? I don't remember the verse, oh, yeah. but I do remember her saying, why didn't you tell me you did this? All this time you were in, we were in school together and you could do this and you never told me. And I just was like, I don't know. I just said, uh, I guess I wasn't ready yet. Or I was nervous. You know, you were going telling stories about going to like, and being in the same club in the same room as Eric B and Rakim and all of them. And, and I was like, you know, I just was like little old me secret or what have you, but but we was we we were tight in uh, high school, and then we developed an even stronger bond afterwards when she saw me again in England, and I bust my little rhyme for her, or whatever. And she was very encouraging. She was very encouraging. She's like, I wish you would have told me you did this. You know, maybe we could have. I was like, I couldn't have came to Latin quarters with you. I was like, my grandfather's Jamaican. He meets me from school with a with a goddamn uh, Great Dane. Like nobody, 
Oh, wow. <laughs> like that. Yeah. I'd come out of the school, right? And I'd be like this. Oh, my God. You see those movies where people, kids are at the doorway of their school and they're like, oh, my God, that's my mom. Let, let me off a block beforehand. <laughs> my grandfather would be across the street with a great dame. I'm like, oh, oh my, my God. God. Wait, Simone, have you ever told that story before? Like, no. I don't the, think hip hop like, story no. knows yeah. that. No. No, no, it's no, like no, no. everyone knows that Buster and Jay Z went to school together, and but, everyone knows that Tribe and Jungle Brothers went to school together. I think it's right. a big fucking deal that you, you and MC Light went to the same yeah. school. Yeah, yeah, and that you know that you guys had this bond that apparently the world doesn't know about. No, and it's funny that you say Jay Z because during that time, after I had gotten back to England, <laughs> I met Jay Z in England. Still, during my 16th turning 17th year. The Hawaiian Sophie period. <clears throat> exactly. He was there. Oh, my God. You should have seen his fucking apartment. That's why when people try to, there was a period of time when people would be like, oh, what people about in their rhymes ain't real from how their life was. And then they would try to pin Jay-Z in that pigeonhole. Like, oh, he's talking about shit that he didn't really live. I would be the first person to be like, yes, he bloody did. <laughs> yes he bloody did saw his apartment i live in england i was born in england and i've never seen an apartment that uh, flipping we call them flats i never seen a flat that big Jesus christ it was huge it was this like i always compare it to this movie that i saw with harrison ford and regarding henry where he wow. went to the I, know that movie. I know that movie too okay <laughs> do you remember Their do house? you remember bloody uh, that is what jay-z had in england him and jazzo and i'm walking around and he flat like how the fuck do you guys have this yeah and i live in this country and i'm in a <laughs> upstairs downstairs duplex and battery. like what he Listen, they had the lavish life in England, and he was there. They were there for like maybe four or five months. Oh wow! wow. And, and young guys, for... like around us, y'all all around the same age, right? Yeah, we're around the same age. He's only like probably a year older than me or something. And so, wow. And that, yeah, and that was when I met him. And then, and then from there, it was like it was like Big Brother everywhere I go. When I came mm -hmm. back, when I came back to, um, and I would go places wherever it would be. I don't know why he's like. What is that thing where somebody pops up out of a garbage can everywhere you go? Oh, that was, <laughs> oh, I know. That it's, was um, uh... stalking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is. No, but, <laughs> but he was—he would—he would just be everywhere. Like, how did you get here? Somewhere. How you getting home? All right. I've been places when I first came back to America. I've been places right where he'll. In the same Acura that he talks about in his music that he had from back in the day, right? Mm. When he was pushing Acuras and all of that. That's why I tell people, yes, he did. Yes, he bloody <laughs> did. Right? No, he did. He'll pop up and be like, how are you getting home? And I'll be like, I came with my friends. I'm chilling. No, get in the and car. I'm grown. And yeah. take me. Yes. And I'll be like, I'm grown. You know, I was 17 and changed them. He would take me right home. Guardian and that, 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 that Yes, guardian home. That <laughs> so times and to the point where I used to get like bloody hell like what do I have like a tracking device like how are you always <laughs> how is it well always there 
I think it's so fascinating that y'all are like the same age. People don't even think about numbers like that. No, yeah. no, yeah, I disagree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you and don't? both of them yeah. are regressing in age. That's the yeah. That's the, true. That's true. <laughs> it's a lotion. They're not sharing it with us, but that's cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna find it that lotion. Not, God damn it! it. I, I got it. Puts the lotion on its skin. I So I think the the first time I heard you on record was there was a, a remix for Fine Young Cannibals. Uh, she drives me crazy. I didn't know it was you at the time. How did you not know that was me, Amir? Well, because no, 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 no. I didn't know what a Moni Love was at the time when I heard it. Wait, what a Moni? <laughs> I like didn't a new know species. Right? No, 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 no. <laughs> I I knew of your name. Like, I guess the first time I heard you was uh, doing our own thing. I think. Uh, okay. On Jungle Brothers, but okay. uh, I believe she drives me crazy. Remix kind of predated that. It did. A little bit. Yeah. But I remember, like, you had a, a very dis- definitive, like, a, a, a very sexy voice. You had your accent. Oh, not I for- sexy, though. Yeah, I, you know. It, it, all right. Yeah. I, I know. I, I've, I've known you for decades, more, so it's hard to, No, you know. no, no. But I just, it's, that's interesting because I definitely wasn't trying to be that. No, but it's. I mean, it's something. I mean, obviously, it had to have been something because, you know, Prince re- reached out to you, too. It was something very distinctive that didn't sound like any... Well, I mean, first of all, I'm I'm not saying that it's far and few between uh, with women in hip-hop. Right. But, I mean, they're, 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 it's been slow to come to fruition and I'm again I'm not saying that there's been a, a a lack of female MCs but there's definitely been a a kind of the faucet has been slow for the powers that be mm-hmm. that will let them have a platform but how did you but I remember that really making an impression on me like got it okay I like the I, I like the song like I I would spin that version in the club that remix mm-hmm. instead of the the regular version how did you like was that your your first time on wax at that point? No, 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 okay. no, no. I had a I had already had um my own singles. Listen, the first the first single that was ever put together. I was in a group and we were called Don't Laugh. Okay, I was <laughs> no, it's a, time to I laugh. Was, all right, I was in a group and we were called Just Bad Productions. You know, because like Boogie Down Productions. Like, oh wow, y'all was JBP. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit of a stretch, but I, I, I see, I, I see, where you, I see where you was going from, Mona. I'm, I'm with you. So we were. It was four of us. I was the only girl. It was me, DJ Pogo, uh, MC DJ Pogo, MC Mello, and Sparky. Sparky was the beat guy. He programs all our beats. Um, oh, wow. Mello was another MC, and DJ Pogo. Yes, they were three really like known DJs from the UK. So you're saying that being in JPP, wait, JBB, JBP, just bad productions, JBP. Just bad productions. Always get paid. All right. So, oh my God. What? We put a record out. We put a record out and it was under Tim Westwood's label. Oh, wow. Wow. Fresh start how, of the week. How old were you? How old were you at that time? 
15. Okay. What that okay. contract looks She looked you... exactly like this. <laughs> Nigga. <laughs> I've heard so many stories. <laughs> I've heard so many stories about Tim Westwood. What does he represent oh. to hip hop culture for the UK? I've heard Every, the best things about everything. him. No, and no, I've no. heard the worst things about him. Yo, the first I'm person a... I heard to get shot. I was I was there the night that he got shot in the no, ass by I used to live in London. You wasn't there, though. No, we were shocked. We were shocked. Okay, what was the name of that that jungleist crew? What Soul Solid? Soul Soul Solid. Soul Solid. Soul Solid crew. Soul Solid crew. Soul Solid. Yeah, we 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 had did a gig. All I remember, no, 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 we didn't do a gig. Tribe had come over to the UK. This is right when Midnight Marauders came out. Whatever happens, when we got home, we found out the next night that that Westwood had gotten shot in the ass by one of the soul solid people or one of those junglist crews. And it was at that point, you know, up until that point, I thought he was like an untouchable luminary because, you know, he's at on the intro of public enemies, nation of millions, but it wasn't until, you know, when we got news of this happening, then I started hearing like some of the shadier things or whatever. Like, like, but what what was Tim Westwood's role in hip hop? And you know, I, again, I always think that forever, whoever the poster boy is of the movement, there's always some unspoken hero that really did the work or whatnot. So I never know who to believe. Like, is he a hero? Is he a villain? Is he? Let me tell. All right, let me tell you how real it's gonna get with me. Right? Okay. Talking about Tim Westwood. I don't care for Tim Westwood. Okay. I have I, I have I have no inhibitions of, of saying that, knowing that he's gonna see this, you know. I don't I don't care for you, you know this, Tim. However, he was everything to hip hop and provided us a place and a space okay. to be able to listen to the music of the be able to battle each other from all the different corners of London. He was the only person that got us a venue. And you was about as big, lean to the side. Yeah, it was about as big as that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this room. Right? Okay. The venue was about as big as that with a with a Michael Jackson Billie Jean dance floor, right? With the, you know, the light was, up. The yeah, light up. Absolutely. Right. right. And it was only for two hours on a Saturday. So it was a lunchtime jam. So he didn't, he didn't even get a space, a big space for a long time. He started off tiny with a amount of time, but he still has a space and a place where we could come, we could listen to hip hop music and we could battle each other, right? And we could, we could express ourselves within the culture. He did that. And then from there, what he further did was got himself a small pocket of time on, on BBC Radio, it wasn't BBC back then. It was it was the other the other one. I can't bloody remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, Capital. He got a cap. He got a radio show on Capital Radio, where it was a very short show, but he it was the only one that existed that played hip hop music. He is the conduit. He is the reason why there were groups that were able to come over and do shows because without us being able to hear the music and without us being able to have somewhat of a scene in England. There's no reason for us to want to go out there to see any of your artists perform because we would not have been familiar with them if it wasn't for Tim Westwood. He was the conduit for hip hop. He was one of the main conduits for hip hop culture. So 
this and when I said to you in the beginning of me even talking about it, you know, this is how real I'm going to get with it. If you hear me give you an introduction speaking about somebody where I say to you, I don't really care for them too much, but yet and still, I follow that mm-hmm. by te- by telling you how important this was to the culture as far as its progression in UK. Right. You know what I'm telling you. You know what I'm telling you is real. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can see that. Like, Suge Knight is a villain, but I <laughs> won't deny the the power of Death Row. <laughs> so, nobody that was a wanted, really good example. Nobody, <laughs> no, nobody wants to get on this uh, platform with me. I mean, no, 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 Suge for real. I mean, the thing with Suge, I mean, why you bullshitting? <laughs> he even said it. Like, the things that he was doing back then, like, you know, signing artists to like, okay, we get a piece of your publishing, your shows your this you know at the time all the labels was like ah oh, sugar is ripping y'all off that's bullshit but now they all doing it now shit. they all 360 deal yeah they all is sugaring your ass so he right. wasn't a criminal he was just ahead of his time right True that. exactly True that. exactly it wasn't, oh, so the, it wasn't that part of the called... comparison i was going for but <laughs> <laughs> i mean we can go a little lower we can welcome to quest low supreme money yeah. <laughs> we, we can say we can say diddy if you want to I, or, you know, we can... Or, we turn it up. or based on my Quest Love Supreme experience, Prince. Hmm. Pregnant pause. Yeah. Well, that was we, longer we, than a pregnant pause. Okay, how, how Prince? How give it to us? Like, break it down. No, because just, just on the perception of somebody doing great, but at the same time talking to like the revolution and seeing on an individual level and as a person, he may not have always been like the nicest and Oh yeah, he's a dick. Always, exactly. Yeah. So I'm just saying that someone well, okay, an right, okay. No, 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 no. no, no that's that, that's that, remember when you when you said uh there was uh some dis- disparaging stories and some people kind of started coming out saying, Oh, well, Tim Westwood did this and he did right. that. Da, da, da. Fonte, what did you just say? What was the word? He was a dick. Okay. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> so they got something in common. There you go. He's a they dicks. They, they, they. There you go. It's a lot of dicks that's doing a lot of great things. We learning. Yeah. Welcome but to 2021. <laughs> but but what can never be denied is that Tim provi- Tim really provided a place in the space. But he released a, a single with uh, just bad predictions. And the contract looked like, you know how fax paper used to come out with perforated parts at the side? Uh-huh. <laughs> that's what the contract looked like, right? And it, it, that's what the contract looked like. Next to a paper bag, yeah. Just like and that. did you have like with your... Are your parents and I was gonna say it, or did your parents? I well, I had to take it to my parents because I was too young myself. Yeah. And I took it to my dad, and my dad did like this. Oh, you don't mm. want that noise. <laughs> my dad just looked at it and went and, and that I didn't sign that. And then <laughs> uh <laughs> that was, you know, that was that. But yeah, uh, so I got found by a legit label, uh, which was Chrysalis Tempo, mm-hmm. and I got signed to them, which essentially got uh I think they got swallowed by uh, EMI later. EMI, on. yep. Yeah. But back then they were predominantly a rock label, but of course everybody was going around looking for the next best trend. Hip hop was the next best trend. I got found at a jam that I was participating in and offered a record deal there. And their contract didn't come off with fax paper with the perforated edges. <laughs> Wait, actually, um, speaking of Westwood shows, I, f- I found out Kara um, Lewis is still my agent 25 years later. And she told wow. me she told me something really uh, hilarious 
last year, which was I didn't know about. So there's there's like a slew of second generation hip hoppers like Rakim, uh, like Kane, Kane not so much anymore, and um, Karis One mm-hmm. that have a fear of flying. Yes. And have never gotten on a plane to the UK. I know Chris didn't. Chris didn't. When Chris was going to come over to do shows, it would be like a month before he gets there. Right. So I yeah, Kara Lewis told me that in May, if she would book gigs for either Eric B and Rakim or BDP, um, and at the time Kane, they would have to get on the, the, the Queen Mary. Yeah. For two weeks. Yeah. It takes two weeks to, to get from New York. Yeah, about that. Whew. Oh, damn. See, I was about to do an inappropriate Chris Rock yeah. Yeah. <laughs> middle passage joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, yeah. I, I, I can't yeah. believe, yeah that, yeah, yeah, that it was hard for rappers so to to get over there. So, like, how how often, at what point was seeing American artists in the U.K.? Uh, a normal thing and not just a novelty. Of... Oh no, it became a normal thing. It progressed quickly. Um, God bless him. I don't. I don't know if you ever had an opportunity to meet this guy, but Dave Funkenklein. Dave Klein. Yeah, mm. Dave Funkenklein. Dave Funkenklein. He was the main ambassador. Shows would be booked, and he would bring artists over. He was the main ambassador, U.S. ambassador, to okay. bring. He brought over. I met my first American boyfriend through Dave Funkenklein. He bought over Latifah, True Mathematics, Chill Rob G, and the others for for a string of shows in Camden Town. Um, oh man! I'm assuming I, you said the Jungle Brothers. I I went to the show and okay. I met the Jungle Brothers oh, at, yeah. at Dingwalls, which was a club in Camden Town. <laughs> they over by Dave Funkenklein. And um, one of the Jungle Brothers and I started dating, and that was Africa from the Jungle Brothers. That Wait, was my first. Ah, okay. All right, so okay, I'm so. going to do my first conflict of interest comment right okay. now. Okay. Um, this, no, this is my first conflict of interest comment. Conflict of interest comment. Well, no, because Gr- Gracie told me something. Now, here's the thing. Oh, I forgot. The, the Jungle Brothers. Thing. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. So the Jungle Brothers, like, you know, was like everything. To me and Tariq, the second we saw them, me, Tariq was like, yo, everything, yo, we, we going to, to, to Banana Republic, we dressed in all khakis and da-da-da-da-da, walking around with sticks and staffs and all that stuff. So we were like, even before the Daisy Age and all that shit, like, we were Jungle Brothers heads first. So I was explaining to her that, you know, everything about Africa was so cool to us, like his ad-libs and everything. And in our minds, we thought that he was just like, he just sounded like a really cool 40-year-old. And <laughs> Gracie was like, he was the he was like a mama's boy. Like, he had to, like, get, ah, oh, she's going to kill me for saying this. That, you know, that like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, when Africa talks, like, he has a, a pipe or, you know, smoking tobacco and, like, doing old grandpa shit. And okay. I... She was like, no, like he had to get permission from his mom to come out and stay out mm-hmm. late and all these things. And mm-hmm. I just, in my, that just totally ruined my perception because I can't imagine 
this this cool ass sounding dude like asking his mom permission to hang out on the weekends or oh whatever. yeah yeah that's right but it, so basically they're they're your plug into what would become the connection or yeah or the, yeah 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 because what happened was um personally africa and i started dating and then professionally africa was responsible for recording half of my album oh and, wow yeah and then that is how i met where africa uh deliberates his beats from and and has uh you know uh brainstorming sessions with where he gets his beats from so that met juju from the beat nuts. from the beat nuts yeah mm-hmm. so that's how i met juju and then uh, obviously that's how i met q-tip also and um pass and and uh mace that's mm-hmm. how all of that transpired okay because i often hear that you know the beat nuts are official or unofficial native tongues but i know they did production on your record so basically absolutely was that the first time they did production no they are they they were beat nuts were like the source the creative beat source for uh africa and and uh q-tip and this was all early so they early. would have ill records you should use this you should use this mm-hmm. but not necessarily mm-hmm. credit it but i get it now okay mm-hmm. i see it we, we we you, gotta do a right beat nuts saying, episode by the way you do you're right in for saying real, though, oh my god yeah you you do have to do a beat nuts because oh my god i cried my eyes out one time when juju came and he didn't have my address so when they when you get there and they ask you what are you here for business and he was here he said um, pleasure and they're like where are you staying he's like I don't know because he didn't have my address oh my god and they searched him oh my god and he called me and I was crying oh my god it was horrible <laughs> and I was uh, did they send him home no they luckily they Whew. didn't send him home but he he had to he, they strip searched him oh my god it was uh, horrible yeah, I, I was gonna I was, say that London I've never Canada might be slightly ahead. I about to say, yeah, Canada, yeah, Canada, yeah. Canada's laxed up. I don't know if Canada's laxed up or is just the fact that people my age now are the authority figures. Right. So whoever's 30 and 40 and 50 are now like, hey, Questlove, are you, you guys doing a show here? Which right. like wasn't well, happening back in then, the first no. 10 years of my career. No, that, yeah, was, like, that was awful. I'm not going to give you the whole thing. Please, when you speak to Juju... Just ask him. And to this day, I think maybe four I, days four days ago, I apologized to him again for the 50 millionth time on, on Instagram on one of my feeds and some comments. Oh, I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. A- anal anal probe and rappers oh in the UK. Oh, oh my, there's my, none, my God. There's no shit. Oh, I mean, most rapped about it. Most rapped about it on his record. The shit happened to me. <gasps> I know at least five others. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was oh, so upset. No doubt. No I was doubt. So upset. Damn. Talk to Juju about that when you talk to him. But yeah, that's sad. Everybody <laughs> deserves twenty four hours of preparation before. Something. Oh my god, preparation is the wrong word to use. I'm just saying. Oh my god. This is, no, a classic Richard Nichols moment. Um, Rich, Rich told us uh, the the way that we remedy that. Seriously, when we would go to UK, Rich would just be like, "Don't don't wash your nuts or your ass for three days straight," and Whoa. they'll skip it. And sure enough, oh, wow. and sure enough, no, I'm dead serious. Like we would go on a Friday, I might not shower, you know, wear the same underwear, or whatever, because oh, nobody, 
first. I'm serious. Like they would, they would be. It was it's that disparaging. Sacrifice. They would... It's an interesting sacrifice. Oh my yeah. god! This is a fascinating episode of Quest Love. <laughs> I'm dead serious, yo. It's like the shit that I'm learning tonight. It's like hey, as watch- as racist yeah, yeah, yeah. as as racist as they are, they do not want to touch your black salty nuts. Oh, they don't want to search that bad. <laughs> hey. I never heard and, of a better soundbite in my life than what I just heard in my ears. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is bad. All right. So my iPhone is right next to me. Oh, you... literally Siri. Just Did it Google that. salty nuts? As racist as they are, they don't want to touch your black salty nuts. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and I'm turning the phone off. T-shirts. Yeah, I'm turning my phone off. All right. So I... Why am I thinking I'm, about South Park right now? Never mind. Go ahead. Chocolate salty <laughs> balls. Yeah, <laughs> the salty suckers, balls. Suckers, suckers, suckers. Ah. Suckers. You know that song was number one in the UK. Oh really? my god! That was, was Isaac it? Hayes. Isaac Hayes. Yeah. Just because when he passed away, when he passed it. away in in I think it was either his New York Times uh, obituary or whatever. <laughs> like they were like, and Hayes was enjoying a, a comeback of sorts. His his hit chocolate salty balls <laughs> was a top ten. Was a top ten oh in the UK. Gosh. I was like, ah oh, man, I don't think he wants that as his legacy. But, right? You know. Yeah, it was, it was a little crazy. All right, y'all. You know what season it is? Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the RYOBI leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work. 
done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. All right. Can I ask, is, I know what you're going to say, so you might as well just pop the balloon and deflate it. Are are third generational if are third generational people like me and Fonte and Bill whatever are we making and romanticizing the myth of native tongues <laughs> more than what it was? <laughs> no. Oh, daisies. I, I mean, at at its height, what was the environment like between? 1987 to 89. It was a commune filled with creative waterfalls. That's a lot of sex. Well, Not it, even. A, a commune and waterfalls. You got to put the... You gotta use we the love water. a good metaphor. I, I said okay. creative, but I said creative waterfalls. You did, you did, but I was just reading. Between the anyway, lines. <laughs> I, I wasn't going there. No, but I mean, like I mean, I mean, there was there were there were interrelationships. Yes, okay, right, right. there were there were definitely those. But it was just like it was like it was like my kids made my my youngest daughter made she has me watching mixed dish with her mm-hmm. every time they oh, click wow. back okay. to the old scenes of when they were on the commune or what have you. Right, right, the hippie <laughs> commune. Okay, it was like that. Wow. It was like that. So it wasn't fake. It's it's like the romanticizing that you envision. It was real. It was a real thing. Mm. It really hmm. was real. Well, I'm glad I asked you because you know, Dave and Poss will like roll their eyes like, ah, oh, here he comes again with more. <laughs> so guys, what was it like when you guys discovered the this breakbeat? Da 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 da. Whatever. So. <laughs> Well, because you know, they're they're, just okay, so- but Dave and Poss, first of all, because when we were in it, Dave and Poss were rolling their eyes. <laughs> wow you know okay. what i mean when we were right. in it david pastors are all in the rise because that's just that's just who they are you know what i'm saying the beats here right and david pasta like doing the opposite <laughs> <laughs> you know and that's just who they are that's just that's just who they are you know what i'm saying it was just so freaking like nothing was a problem like if everything was just so cool i remember one night me, Maceo was one of the last people to leave the life. Because first of all, when I say commune, I really mean commune. And the place of, of the commune's existence, yeah. Yeah. main office, was Calliope Studios in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Everybody's sessions was in Calliope's. It doesn't matter if it was cute, if it was Tribe, if it was Dela, if it was Jungle, if it was me, if it was Latifah. It didn't, you know, if it was um, Dre- Black Sheep, Drez, and Long. It doesn't matter. It was always Calliope Studios. We were always in Calliope Studios. Calliope Studios was the everything. It doesn't matter whose session it was. We were always there. Um, and it was always Eggfu Young. Why? I don't know. Because <laughs> Chinese delivery always, is very convenient yeah. and it's 24 and, hours. Oh, it was all though. Like, uh, it was well, never, it was always Chinese food. All right. So, Obviously, you guys are post Latin Quarter, or at least what you represent. 
And here's the thing, like everyone that's been on the the reason why they were joking at the top I of the show. I want to know what the Latin Quarter joke is. I, 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 that's the thing. Again, I'm I'm a guy that romanticizes and fetishizes everything the 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 lore of whatever. So, you know, I've heard many stories about the Latin Quarter. So, you know, half our guests that have been on the show are, you know, Latin Quarter luminaries. And okay. so it almost became like the the inside joke, like how long until Amir asked? So you have a Latin <laughs> yeah, the Latin Quarter. Okay, okay. But the the thing I also didn't understand was that, like, why would somebody really want to risk their lives? The way that I see it, like, you go to the Latin Quarter and you're either going to have the time of your life and hear something really mind blowing, mm-hmm. or you know, you might get your chain snatched or you might get stabbed, shot, killed or hurt. And to me, that wasn't risky enough just to hear, you know, LL's booming system for the first time played by Red Alert or whatever. Yeah, but um, maybe, 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 maybe it's because your generation, why you feel that way? Because, yeah, that was real. And that was it. And that was a risk that we were prepared to take. Right. That was the only place you could get it. Exactly. Right. So what what was by the time you came uh, to the United States, um, and please explain that missing that plane back to London reference. What- well, okay, missing the plane back to London reference. First of all, everybody was in the studio still. I left. I was supposed to go back to England for a few days, and the specific occasion I was on, supposed to go back to London for is Stevie Wonder's birthday party at Wembley Arena. Boy George not boy George, George Michael and I were supposed to sing happy birthday to him. I For his 40th? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Well, assuming that was 1990. but I missed, yeah, it was. I missed the plane. Whoa. And, damn. Wait uh, a minute. Wait, you were, damn, for real? Yeah. And so I got back in a cab and I went back to Calliope and I went back to the session and they were doing do thing and, uh, Africa and then was like, all right, you got you got eight, go do it. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I never knew that reference. Okay. That's yeah, cool. but I felt like felt like shit. Like I didn't it was an achievement to go in and kick some rhymes, but those rhymes were real rhymes because I really I was like, I'm gonna get in some table. Oh my God. Like, because I really did just miss the plane. And I'm supposed to be at Wembley Arena in London for Stevie Wonder's happy birthday celebration. I mean, do you still regret it? I do regret it because I was, I don't like not being where I'm supposed to be. And it was like giants I was supposed to be on stage. Yeah, but you gotta, you, you have, you have an immortalized verse. So I do have an immortalized verse, but it, it's for me. It serves the purpose of reminding me that I fucked up. Mm. Mm. I, feel, uh, I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand. We're going wrong. Damn. Well, you know. Yeah, because I know it wasn't that a verse. real reason. I... It wasn't a real. It wasn't a real reason for me to be late. It was some some vain shit. I left this uh, particular top that I wanted to wear, and I made the bloody driver go back to the house so I could get it. Oh, that's made... uh, you wow! You did the good fellas. For the good fellas. <laughs> I'm not, I don't fly without my hat. I don't fly without my right. hat. Right. Damn, really? Your lucky draws. Okay. <laughs> so what was the, now the one thing I don't know is post-Latin quarter, what was now the nightlife 89, 90, 91? Like what's, where do you, 
what's your weekly schedule in, in terms of like we hang at this club at this night and this world, club at this night and the world on Little Thirteenth Street in the uh, meat meat market section of uh, Manhattan on the west side, Little Thirteenth Street. Yeah, the world. The world was a club that Paradise ran the door to. Paradise ran the door. <laughs> oh, to Paradise everywhere. ran everything. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, really. And uh, it had five floors, and on the roof it was it was a floor, but it was open, obviously, because it was a roof. And they used, to, they used to do barbecue up there. So there's the house floor, there's the hip hop, the reggae floor, there's a cool out floor, and then there's the barbecue on the roof. Oh, okay. Wait, mm-hmm. I, I I do have a question. Again, your 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 speaking voice and your rhyming voice are night and day, like. At that period in your teens, were you code switching a little bit in terms of? Unintentionally, yes. And the reason, here's where the code switching happened. It didn't happen because of music. It happened because I was going to school at George Wingate High School in Brooklyn, which was metal detectors and like Brooklyn's version of Joe Clark. And it was just, I didn't want the attention that I was getting. I had a Tony Braxton haircut before Tony Braxton. Oh. Right. Okay. When I was going to school in Brooklyn, it was like 86, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I cut all my hair off. It was super, super short, but it was it wasn't just cut, it was cut into a style. For for a 16, 15, 16 year old girl to have her hair all cut off in a sleek style like that, done yet. Who in Brooklyn, I've I'm from England. I've got this crazy haircut. My style of dress is different and I'm getting viewed and called exotic. I don't like that term. Oh, I don't. I, so when people mm. walk up to you like, just say something. Exactly. Yeah. All exactly. right. So how did you, what is your, what is your Americanized New York I studied how everybody accent. spoke. I studied how everybody spoke. So how did you speak? Can you switch it right now? She goes in and out anyway. I do. I do yeah. go in and out anyway. With say like to have me say something or say something to me that's going to demand an answer and then I'll I'll, I'll do it. What you want uh, on your chopped cheese? What did you have for breakfast today? <laughs> wait, 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 what did you say? Wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. We were like the two hours. We're the same. First of all, okay, wait. First of all, I don't even understand what you're saying. What you want on your chopped cheese? Second of all, I don't eat no chopped cheese. That's some Philly shit. No, it's not. That's New York. I don't even know what you That was pretty good. A chopped cheese is a New York Philly cheesesteak. Cheesesteak. Never heard of that shit. Me neither. Uh, Cameron made it famous. You know, oh. it's it's basically taking hamburger. It's making a hamburger, but then chopping up the hamburger and putting it on a, a, a hero roll. And that, it's, that, that must be specifically some Harlem shit. Because it's, I, it's <laughs> chopped cheese got its fame around ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, she, a okay. spot on a hundred. There's a spot on 110th Street. Um, it's at one point it was getting out of hand because like a lot of tourists were coming up there, like risking their lives in front of the projects to get what? the authentic, yes, the authentic chopped cheese. It's a cheeseburger yeah. hoagie. A cheeseburger hoagie. That's all. Uh, a cheeseburger well, hoagie. I mean, you're you're dismissing it, making it sound like that, but it's okay. But first, uh, we never said we never said here here I am and this is it and this what is this is what it sounds like. And I used to go on Empire and get. 
uh, either a blimpy sandwich or the Wendy's. <laughs> Empire. Who I, is I this fucking person? <laughs> no, I'm in love with this person. Oh god! Do you ever, wow. do you ever yell at your kids with that voice? Because that's like some next level shit. <laughs> no, when you yell, when she yells at her no, kids, then she sounds bread. like Nanny yeah. McPhee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, angry McPhee. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, angry McPhee is right. It's straight Brit. I can't even when I'm talking to them and it gets there. But yeah, that's what that's that's the switching and that's the studying that I did. I studied how everybody else spoke. They thought you want come you want come get something to eat. You gonna eat the school lunch? Nah, I don't want the school lunch. I'll come with you. Where we going? We go to White Castle. Where we going to White Castle? Oh, all right, I'll come with you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Moni, you know this question is coming. All right, go ahead. You know it's coming. <laughs> okay, Lai is a part of this too. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just go ahead and no, warn you. Oh, no, oh no, nah. no, we ain't about. even talking about Jeezy. Oh, okay. Nah, okay. Oh wait, I actually have to build up to it because we're we're still with native tongues. All right. Um, fuck it, I'm going right to it. <laughs> <laughs> no build up. Yeah, no build up. Subtle. Let's see. We'll see. Okay. Hold on, Bill. Stay tuned. I'm ready. Can you? Well, I I don't want you to tell the Big Daddy Kane story. Okay. However, I would like you to tell me what hip-hop touring was like during that time period. Because, and the reason why I really want to know is because I didn't realize that my group sort of set a precedent that I didn't realize wasn't the norm. Now, you know, you, you talked about you talked about Jay-Z's penchant uh, for the finer things, whatever, but Tariq is very much the same way. Mm-hmm. In, you know, in his clothes and whatever. So I thought it was just, we thought, or at least I thought it was some normal shit to be staying at a Four Seasons hotel and these deluxe tour buses and all this shit. But I didn't realize that was basically Tariq demanding the rich, like, yo, I want to travel in comfort if I got to be on the road 300 wow, days off the year. So wait a minute. Right. So... By the time I met you guys, that's what the fuck you guys were doing? <laughs> yeah, and but wait, here's the deal. Here's the deal. It took Kara to tell me, no, Mir, see, the problem is you guys get hotels every night. Everyone gets their own suite every night, one to a room. You guys oh, spend Moni like got, oh, she got stories thousands of dollars. Up. I didn't yeah. realize that the way that bands really do it is that if there's a show that night, they all shower at the venue. They sleep on the tour bus, and only on days off, they might get a day room at a Holiday Inn or a Sheridan. I mean, there was just a period where it was like, yo, man, Savage where's the life. fuck our money? Where's our okay, money coming wait, no, from? No, 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 no. Break it right. down, Mo. Break it down, Mo. Tell, so, tell the babies. Tell okay, the there's, there's, an area, there's an area in between what you're saying you guys were doing and right. what you just described, because I wasn't doing no showering and no day room shit with no, I wasn't, no, 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 no. No, okay. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, there's, I am very much a British girl. Okay. And I was saying that. With a crest okay. on your pocket, with a crest on your pocket. Exactly. <laughs> but what it was, it was, the, it, when I say middle of the road in between what you described, both things that you described is yes, we did. We would ride the tour um, during the night. So we would be in our buses. We would pull up, not at a hotel. We would pull up firstly at the venue. By the time we pull up to a venue, the uh, sound guys and stage guys, they'd all be in there. Shit would have already been put up. 
We get in there, we do sound check first. Then we get back in a bus and roll over to wherever the hotel is. Now the hotels would be your modern day, what they've turned them into is all these nice, um, these nice holiday in the type ones that have like the mini apartments in the right, uh, exactly. kitchen. The business so ones. The, yeah. That's right. today. That's what they are. Back then. Those that shit very, was good times. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bathroom, very basic. Two beds, two, two, two beds, full beds or twin beds, bathroom, very basic. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, now when I look at it, I'm like, ooh, I would not. Mm. But the, back then, man, when you when you're drunk and you want to lay down. Oh, my God. It's like, yes, please. You know, so that's what it was. They weren't they, they were probably like two star, three star, two star. So sl- slightly above a super eight. Who would be on yeah. tour around these times? OK, best tour that I was ever on. Mm-hmm. give you an example of who would be on these types of tours. And the interesting thing about the tours was they were also interchangeable depending on what territories you go to. Right. So, for instance, the tour was the Big Daddy Kane tour, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Big Daddy Kane headlines, Digital Underground, Queen Latifah, and Third Base. Those are the base groups. Big Daddy mm-hmm. Kane, Digital Underground, Third Base, Queen Latifah. At that time, I was a part of Queen Latifah's camp because she, Ladies First was a part, very much a part of her show. Mm-hmm. And so I was on that entire tour. So those are the base groups always, right? So that's the base of your sandwich, put it that way. But, depend, but depending on what territories you go to, they would add this that would be EPMD. Or mm-hmm. they would add some tomatoes, which would be... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Too short or someone, some tomato. you know right. what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying. It was like, and I'm using the sandwich analogy because it's like, depending on where you go, different ingredients are added right. to the show. Right. It's still a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they were, and they were fun. And it was interesting because um, I learned how to do the Humpty Hump while I was on that tour. <laughs> And, so was Mr. Shakur to, around this time he period? Taught, he taught me how to do the Humpty Hump. What was his wow. job in Digital Underground during that period? He was a roadie and a dancer. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he figured that me and him were the same because he was a part of Digital Underground's crew and I was a part of Latifah's crew. So he kind of figured we were the same. I tried to assure him that I had a much more president position than he because I was actually rhyming on a song per se. <laughs> oh, you and me are kind of the same, right? <laughs> nah, bro. Yeah, he was, he nah. was trying, yeah, he was trying to do that. We know we're the same. And I was trying to tell him, no, one of these kids is doing his own thing. Like, you Sesame Street mofo. Go <laughs> you had So you hadn't heard him rhyme at all before? I did because he made sure to. He walked around with a, <laughs> he, he walked around with a book of rhymes. He never let that thing go. Wow. He never let that thing go. He walked around with that. He was pestering. I joined the tour maybe two shows in because I went to Canada to see my mother first because my mother lives in Toronto. So I went there first and then I picked up the tour from Toronto. While I was still at my mother's house, this guy makes Kika and Allison, who are Latifah's two dancers, get on their phone to call me up 
to ask me, when are you coming? You're supposed to, they're like, could you please get here already? Because this Tupac guy is getting on our nerves. He wants to meet you. He's really annoying. And so when are you coming? And I'm like, who is this weirdo that you guys are? To? And I'm hearing him in the, in the background, like, when is she coming? I'm like, don't put him on the phone with me. I don't know him. Like, who is this weirdo anyway? And they're like, he's part of Digital Underground. I'm like, okay, well, I'll when I get there in two days' time. But no, I don't want nobody I don't know. But like, bye. And um, so when I get there, he's all like a kid in a candy store to meet me. And what it was, was I have never met a bigger fan of hip hop, period, than that, than that man. Like, wow. Tupac is the most enthusiastic, biggest fan of, of everything authentic in this culture. Mm. So that's where all the excitement was coming from you know, back then, but you know, I'm, I'm the British girl. I'm a little bit reserved and I'm kind of like, okay, Settle like down. you're, you sit down. You're, this is too much. Um, <laughs> but we ended wow. up being really good friends. It's funny because misconception on, um, somebody on an interview that I did a while back where I said, uh, yeah, we slept together. And it, it's funny because it's like the misconception was, uh, slept together being taken for more than in a sexual way. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, we did we did sleep together because uh Allison and I, uh one of our Stephen Sansas and I, we shared a room and um Pac shared a room with Shock G, but if Shock G had, had a girl. Girl. Ah, mm-hmm. right. Which she, ah. she had more than Pac because who was Pac at the time? Exactly. Right. And if that happened, Pac yeah. would come into our room and he would sleep, me and him would sleep in the same bed, and that's what you that was mm-hmm. what we were saying, you know, we said, because we were like the three stooges, you know, the three <laughs> of us were always together. And as a matter of fact, we even had a pact that in those hotels at the time, those two, three star joints, whatever, they would have the buffet breakfast every morning, but it happens yes. exactly at six o'clock. And yes. we get on the soon after six o'clock to leave, to go to the next town. If you weren't downstairs up ready, bright eyed, bushy tailed and in that room for six o'clock when that breakfast spread is put out you're gonna miss it and all of those places used to have the pancake special so we 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 had a pact that we would always wake each other up to make sure that we don't miss the 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 pancake special i I forgot to wake up one morning he missed the pancake special and he stopped speaking to me for two weeks of the tour patty park he was very petty (laughs) pancakes though over pancakes he stopped speaking to me Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah. It's justifiable. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that. That's, that's justifiable. He stopped, he stopped speaking to me, and he also hid the uh, the Tabasco that I used to walk around with to put on my corned beef hash. He hid it. Your own personal uh, Tabasco collection? Memory. Yes. I see. Okay. Okay. The Moni in the Middle story. Can we, hold on, can we get clarification? Because... What what is the Big Daddy Kane story that you mentioned? This is the Moni in the Middle story. Oh, okay. Okay. The Big Daddy Kane story and the Moni Middle story are the same. Build up. This is the build up that he was talking about. About Like in my mind, based on the video, you know, I (laughs) thought the Pest Poindexter character was just some Steve Urkel dweeb. And I didn't know that it was a taste of chocolate. So. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. But I do, oh. you know what? Even though I Boy, know the story, <laughs> even though I know the story and I know that, you know, a lot of my generation male rappers have fragile, uh, fragile egos when it comes to getting rejected. I, I, I have to give them a little bit of points for coming up with the most passive aggressive way to figure out if you were into him or not. And that's what I give him props for. Listen, from from beginning to end, you must understand that Big Daddy Kane is absolutely the the, the, the number one student of Dolomite. Okay? (laughs) He is the number one student of Dolomite. Big Daddy Kane does not play himself. I need you to understand this. Big Daddy Kane does not put him put himself in a position where he can be viewed as playing himself. It just does not happen. I know that's ooh, that's why they love yeah. Okay. All right, so talk talk about the system, the McDonald's system. The system. This is the McDonald's system that Big Daddy Kane came up with. Okay, in order to uh, understand whether I liked him in that way or not. Okay. Wait, this so, is real life. Is this real life? You saying real life, y'all? Like yeah. Big Daddy Kane and Moni. Yes. Okay. You, you, okay. We are yes. officially hearing the yes. Moni in the Middle story. Yes. Okay. This is the story that inspired Moni. I've never in the heard middle. this. Well, there's some crazy okay. shit. Yes, go you ahead. have, Laia. I've told you this. You know, I smoke. Look. Okay. Okay. Wait, let's, go. let's go. Let's go. Okay, let's go. All right. So, we're at we're in DC. I can't remember the name of the hotel, but there's this one specific hotel that everybody's whenever you go to DC. Days in. It was the or New York Avenue. Yep. That's the one. I only know this because old dirty bastard once crashed a car into one of the yes, hotel he did. rooms. Yes, he did because I remember. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes. That's the same. Yeah, it's the same hotel. Big Blue. Do you know? This, yeah. Do you yeah. know? All right, Fonte, you got to know this days yeah. in when when you're going to DC. Well, you too, right? Yeah, yeah, I know, know the story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know that days in near oh, yeah. uh, checkers. It's a, it's a whole strip of mm-hmm. hotels. Everybody used to. It's a whole strip of hotels. Yes, yeah, yeah. but every rapper stays. When they're first starting out in that days in. All right, Absolutely. Go ahead. So I attracted, <clears throat> I don't know, the ladies first and the whole nine yards and the vibe that it gives off. I a lot of women, a lot of girls on, on the sister girl, sister power. You know, I attracted a lot of girls. Oh, so yeah. I, and, all the, and, and all the girls had cars. All the girls had cars. Oh. So the guys that were all in... Um, Whose room were they in? They were in Kane's room. Latifah was in there too. They were playing CeeLo. And they were stealing everybody's per diem money. Per diem. Um, Yeah. And so everybody got hungry. Um, I was with, I was actually dating. uh, No, I wasn't dating him yet. But I liked him. Uh, Scrap Lover. Scrap Lover. Oh, Scrap Lover. His his dance. The dance. One of of Big Daddy Kane's dancers. Okay, but he didn't know it yet. I didn't say anything. I just peeped him. I thought he was cute, whatever. So anyway, they come to me. Scoop and Scrap come to me and they're like, oh, everybody in the room wants to see if they could get something to eat. Do you think one of your girlfriends would, would, or a couple of them, would drive us over to the McDonald's? There was a McDonald's close by. So I was like, I'll ask. So I asked a couple of the girls. They're like, yeah, Moni. Well, anything for you. We'll drive over to the, who do you need us to take? So three cars. We had three cars from three different girls going over to the McDonald's. So Scoop and Scrap was getting everybody's orders. So we get to the McDonald's. We're standing online. And then Scrap Lover turns to me and says, um, all right, this is how this is going to go. 
Kane wants to know if you like him. Here's what's going to happen. If you do, you walk in, you hold his food when we get back and you hand it to him. And that way he'll know, yes, you do like him. If not, then I'll just give him his food regular, just myself or what. Place it on the nightstand or on a far table. <laughs> right. So then, <laughs> so then <clears throat> to scrap, well, it looks like you're going to be giving him his food. And he was like, why? And I was like, because I like you. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. <laughs> mm. So just just so we know, this is this is this is the black Cyrano de Vergiac story yes. okay. of which <laughs> Kane asked Cyrano de Vergiac is telling his boy, give her instructions on how Damn. to let, let her know if it's on or not. Yeah. It's and like fifth grade. Yeah. I love it. It's like and, it's like and that. Scrap said, and Scrap says, uh, he Scrap says it looked like I'm gonna be giving him back tonight. <laughs> like basically, basically. That, Wait, but was Scrap thrown off? Did he know that you dug him? He didn't. And did he give him the bag? He gave he gave Kane his food, and then oh. and then uh-huh. you know he and gave Kane was... his food, and then came. You know, Kane didn't make no face or nothing like that. It just was what it was. Mm-hmm. That that to me is that yeah that, that that's the next level of yes no or maybe. <laughs> It is like the little right. note that you send, but do you want this just... double quarter pounder or not, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> wow! But so, what really... inspired you to make a song about it? I don't know. I, I have no idea why I it started talking to me when I started hearing the beat. Because, of course, Monium Noodle was pr- produced by the Fine Young Cannibals by Andy Cox and David Steele. Right. And when I heard it was the Runaway Breakbeat, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So when I, so when I'm listening to it it just started talking to me and I just started replaying that whole DC night in my head. And I was like, I was in the middle. I was in the middle. I was right. definitely <laughs> in the middle. Actually, yep. wait, wait, I got to correct myself. And I, only, only because, um, Sheila, uh, Sheila E corrected me on this is that we call that, we call that drum track, the runaway, uh, break, but, we only found out that because of the way that they rhythmically segued that album, mm-hmm. Runaway is technically the last thing said on the song before. Mm-hmm. But because it's in rhythm, every mm-hmm. DJ that spins that break thinks that Runaway, runaway break. is the mm-hmm. top of the break when actually it's just ending the song before. Got it. And then the breakbeat starts and it's Look at if that. I could start my life Look over. At that. Things you learn. Right, yeah. No, no, no. For because the longest, the, I, I called it the runaway break. Yeah, forever the and runaway break. And then Sheila told me, well, no, like, every every producer's, like, saying it wrong because it's the song before. That's and then crazy. If I had to start my life over is actually the name of the, you know, is, 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 wow. is the name of that break. So, so, so you and, so to be clear, so you and Scrap ended up dating later. We did. Uh, right. Y'all and Scrap were dating, and you yeah. and Kane never dated. No. Okay, gotcha. No. And Mo, was your breath control, because it's funny, because I would have never known how hard Moni in the Middle actually is to perform until I actually did it one day to, for your birthday, but your breath control <laughs> is kind of crazy. Was it always like that, or did you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wait, it's, 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 it it's sounds the, like you're saying birth control. Birth, it did so, say breath. I'm saying breath. Okay, breath, I just want to make sure I wasn't the only one. I was like, this but, is... 
yelling at me. No, I hate Time out. I know I'm her birth control. Fell. Her birth control wasn't crazy. I know that. No, my birth control sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, time out. Right here. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, man. Wait, we should also clarify that <laughs> that the the lyrical the lyrical complexity of that song, which I believe you're talking about, the hook is two people. And this is also a good time to bring no, in LaShawn. Yeah. Absolutely. So, wait, I always wanted to know, because I never got to talk to LaShawn. And, pe- of course, LaShawn is the voice of... Where you at? LL's doing it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And she's also uh, mm-hmm. Shoshona of, of Biddy's in the BK Lounge. Yeah. The, the woman of a billion voices. And and the original doing it well. Um, yeah. That LL the based that pitch. song on. Mm-hmm. What role was she in this native tongue universe because we first heard her on biddies in the bk lounge mm-hmm. and eventually on Mooney in the middle and she went under the name almond joy yeah. was was she eventually like who was she the protege of and how she started hanging around she's a, she's an mc in her own right and i don't know how she met the jungle brothers but i met her because i was dating africa and she was actually dating sammy b and she and sammy ah, b have a sure. son together her first child it's that maybe. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And so I was fresh from England and uh, she was one of the people, the first women that I met when I came here uh, to this country as Africa's girlfriend, you know, Africa's girlfriend who has a record deal, who he's producing the rest of her album. And she's one of the first women that I met and she and I became sisters real quick. She's Brownsville, Brooklyn girl. She don't play. By that voice, I, I can tell it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what, were there immediate plans to like get her a deal or she oh no she was a she was an artist in her own right she had a deal she was signed to wild pitch the original doing it oh. right but as and, and Shorn, totally but awesome. as almond joy mm-hmm. did she ever get no 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 she a... was signed as almond joy that's her artist name her real oh. name is Lashawn. she was signed to wild pitch as almond joy uh doing it well side flip side totally awesome What's the name of the the song on the B side? Totally awesome. Okay, I see. So, okay, in doing "Ladies First, which you know has has gone down in history, how did that collaboration come to be? Remember and... when I told you that uh, Dave Funk and Klein bought True Mathematics, Jungle Brothers, Chill Rob G, and Queen Latifah to England, and they did a stream mm-hmm. of shows, and they were at Camden, and that's where I met them. Yeah. Well. After that, uh, they had they drove over to England on a tour bus that they picked up in Germany, and it was a German bus driver, and he couldn't make heads or tails of the UK maps to be able to get from A to B to their next shows. So Funk and Klein asked me, would I mind riding the bus with them, getting the maps out, sitting next to the bus driver to help me? Which is why in the documentary uh, that you did, uh, Quest, and and when Shaquem was talking, he said. Moni was kind of like a tour guide. He's right. I was like a road manager at that young age because I got the maps out. I was sitting at the front of the bus with the bus with the German. You were the GPS. <laughs> I was the GPS. Absolutely. The original Siri. The original Siri. Wow. Series. Yep. And so from dope. doing that, we wound it up. And we wound up, excuse me, at, in Bristol one night. They had a show. It was on a barge. So it was a, it was, you guys know what I mean when I say barge, right? A moving ship. It was like a houseboat. Right, club. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a a club on a houseboat, right, on the river. Kind of a contiki and 
Virgin Islands. Sort of and thing. okay, and so Latifa and I was in were in the back. She was waiting like a little green room, or what you know, if you may. And she and I were talking, and she was like, you know, I heard you rhyme. You know, what I'm saying, let me hear a little something. And I gave her a little something. She's like, that's dope. Song together. We didn't ladies first until maybe six, seven months after that conversation. But that was wow. the night in Bristol on a barge that Latifah and I had the conversation about doing a song together. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the RYOBI leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Speaking of the, uh, the, the allure of native tongues, when do you officially when do you officially feel like the movement that was once the native tongues is over now? I still don't feel like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I maybe that's just me. I still don't feel like that. I don't feel like that. I think we're I think we are in the midst of the strangest and longest hiatus ever. Okay. Wow. So but you, there so was a think... period where it got awkward. Hold Not on. awkward, but just... No, 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 that's a good word. No, no, no. Keep that. It's a good word. Awkward. Uh, and since no. and since you're my closest connection to Africa, 
And since I just paid about 50 bucks for that freaking record, uh, they just re-released yeah, the original Crazy Wizard Masters. Crazy Wizard Masters. Right. Which is really not that different. Wait, what than- did they release? They okay, so the the third album after Done by the Forces of Nature, oh. Nature was called Crazy Wisdom Masters. Okay, and so I, I guess the way that the story went was that um, by the time that Benny Medina had really come at the helm of Warner Brothers, he, oh wow, that's a name. He was like, nah, it ain't happening. <laughs> right, he sent the record back, and then they made a crazier record. Um. I don't Which understand was, that guy. Uh, I really, I'm with sorry. The I just, I don't. You don't understand, understand Africa? <laughs> no, no. Benny Medina. Um, Benny Medina. Yeah, I don't understand him. Well, I wait. Don't. He was. You were on Warner's. I at know, least in America. I just, yeah, but I, you would, you would think that. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I guess, I can't meet people, and and have such close ties with people, and and have so much involvement with people, and then just completely drop them. Afterwards, I don't know how to do that. He knows how mm. to do that it, very well. I was going to um, say, yeah, chase, chase with yeah. him, the white man's idea. did you even know that he was my oldest child's godfather? I and he forced himself to be like he really made it a big deal to be like, I want to be her godfather. Like, why? Because it's like years later, she doesn't even know him. Hell no. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah, it's an interesting dude. But anyway, you were saying. Well, no, I, I well, <laughs> it just hit me now that he was also, I guess, assuming that he was head of your division as well, Absolutely. Warner Brothers. Absolutely, Benny signed me. It's so weird because if I could mark the sort of weird point of Warner Brothers, at least with Kane's career, with mm-hmm. Prince's career, a few. He also, I, he also come. He also orchestrated that whole. Peter exactly. Edge, like when he came aboard, that whole Prince thing with me. Right when he came aboard, things got a little different. Mm-hmm. Now I'm personally cool with him, but nah, that's when she you know, got whack. That was like Warner. If you just if you were a DJ, if you saw a Warner Brother sticker and on yeah, some hip hop shit, like, you knew it was some bullshit. You off rip. You was like, nah, it's one this shit whack. Right, and ah, so yeah, I was going to ask, what was it like being under? That the like did you did you have a relationship with Mo Austin at the time or I didn't I didn't my relationship was Peter Edge Benny Mazzina. Time out. Peter Edge was at Warner too. Peter Edge, I'll do better than at Warner. Peter Edge came from England to the United States to Warner Brothers. Made that transition during my first album. During my transition. Peter Edge, Peter Edge was my A and R at Chrysalis Cool Tempo. Okay, cool. Uh, All right, Chrysalis EMI. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So well, he Peter, eventually Peter, went back to EMI. So exactly. So Peter okay. Edge came from there with me. It was like the Trinity. It was like me, my Liverpudlian manager Steve Finan, and Peter Edge. Three of us <laughs> came from England to the United States. Peter, man, I like. Oh God, the the. There was a night where... Um, Listen, Amir, I gave him so much shit. I gave him so much shit about that Prince thing. I didn't want to do it. I was annoyed. I was like, what does this have to do with hip hop? I gave Peter Reich so much shit. And he was so smart. He was just so smart with it. And I just... The plane ride, the plane ride to Minneapolis, I was being a 
bitch. I don't want to be here. <laughs> I don't want to be on this plane. Why am I going to Minneapolis? What does Paisley have to do with hip hop? Not right. impressed by Prince at all. Like you would no, <laughs> no, nope. not even with his legacy and. I loved his. I loved him for him. Mm-hmm. But you saw. But I could not understand the message. But you were yeah. afraid of your credibility of doing mm-hmm. something. That- Absolutely. Yeah, and the thing was for for me, it's just it's so interesting to hear the way you talk about it, Moni. Because to me, in a word or two, is the only time that Prince ever got hip hop halfway right. Like, you, like for I, I, yo, I love that song. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love that song. You know what I mean? And I thought I always thought it was very unique how you, you know what I'm saying, were the MC were the only time that Prince ever got wow. hip hop right. Because all the rest of that shit, when you try to do some rap shit, that gold nigga album and all that shit, no, right. no. But <laughs> yeah, in a word or two, I love that song. I was like, well, yo, this so actually what was it works. Like, and how long did you stay at Paisley Park? Oh, my God. I was there forever. He had he made accommodations for my husband at the time. He made accommodations for my brand new baby, which is Charlena uh-huh. at the time. He was like, whatever it is going to be to keep her happy, for her to be here for a long period of time to work, that's where I'm going to have her. And and even to the point where he had shows to do at Earl's Court in England. So I thought we were going to break and we were going to get to go back to New York for a little while. Nope. He made he pulled me and my husband and my brand new baby to England also for, for the duration of his shows in wow. England. Also. Wow. The same so, hotel. Was the prime purpose to strictly write for Carmen? Or was it like, okay, I'll do Carmen's album and I'll do your record as well? Yes, that's what it was. Because see, the thing is, when Peter Reg first sat me down and told me the whole thing, you know, he, we, he wants you to write for Carmen Electra. I was like, all right, cool. But then it was like, and he's going to do a certain amount of songs on your album. That's when I was like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. when I was like, why, why, why can't I just yeah, do that? Ain't a, that ain't a swap. So what was his? <laughs> all right. So my first visit to Paisley Park, one of the sh- most shocking things that I discovered, I went in his his office is connected to like Studio A, mm-hmm. and you know while. Femi Jaya was sort of looking the other way. I snuck in Prince's office just to look at his record collection and see like what he's into. Mm-hmm. So I saw a CD player and I was shocked that Midnight Marauders was in it. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh shit, <laughs> Prince listened to Tribe? That's crazy. Wow. But what was his IQ into as far yeah, as like yeah, hip-hop was concerned? Yeah. How much did he know about you? How much did he know about okay. Native Tongues? All those things. He did not talk to me about native tongues. He did not talk to me about hip hop, period. But he knew everything about me. He knew the songs that I had released prior to coming to America, prior to coming, prior to being signed to, because he knew my cool tempo shit. You know what I'm Mm. saying? He knew that. Yeah, he knew that shit. He even knew my, he, he even knew my Just Bad Productions release. (laughs) <laughs> as we remind our younger listening audience that the internet was not around at the time so this is a big deal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he he knew he knew about me enough to be able to it wasn't just it really wasn't a cold working environment it was going to be a teachable moment for you Moni these weeks that you're here is going to be a teachable moment for you so what did we uh, learn ooh I, I, I learned I learned to stop 
fighting, um, fighting creativity because that entire experience with Prince was just a, a damn faucet flowing of creativity that I was fighting because of a general pig-headed bias of, nah, I'm hip hop mm -hmm. and I gotta stay hip hop and I can't, mm -hmm. I can't get involved in any other type of influence of music to interfere with my hip hop. Prince taught me to relax, <laughs> stop it. You are the hip hop, whatever you do, is going to be the core of what you want to express, but allow some of the other sources to flow through you because it's going to make you grow on a creative it's level. It's going to make you better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And this was, was there, a teachable moment. Was there any fear or trepidation in, in your husband at the time in his mind that Prince was just trying to groom you to being a long line of muse slash Prince Jones? No, because I was too fat. I just had a baby. Right. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the baby, I, yeah. I think the baby might have saved you. Yeah, it did. Well, it did. You know, I mean. <laughs> although, although, listen to this, though. He was with Maite at the time. And um, he, this was prior to them, their, their child, um, you know, bless, bless the little angel in heaven. Um, but Fun he fact, his name was Amir. Wow. 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 Yeah. And, and he had a fascination with babies because he had me bring her to a show, one of the shows that he did in Earl's Court when I had to go to England when he was doing shows at Earl's Court. And I went to the show and I had her in my arms. And during the middle of during a, an eight bar break in um, it, what, it, oh, sexy, sexy MF, right? Mm -hmm. He came to the side of the stage and was like, go do eight bars right now. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I had the baby in my arms. He was like, give me the baby. Ah, yeah. Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. And he said, give me the baby. So I handed him Charlena. So he's standing at the side of the stage with Charlene. He's like, go ahead, go do eight bars. Wow. So I went, out, I went out there. I totally blacked out, did eight bars because it was shock and it was fear. And it was just like, I went, I did the eight bars. I came back off. He handed me the baby. He ran back out and, and continued. Wow. And these are the things that he taught. He, he really encouraged me to conquer any fears that I may have had, whether it be in performing or whether it be in creating. And pancakes okay. are a real thing. Pancakes are a real thing. That pancakes are a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So he god. made you the pancakes. Yes. You, you, yes. Yes. He made me the pancakes dressed as Prince. Weird. <laughs> 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 Everything comes down to pancakes in this particular episode. Was, Fantastic. Was, oh my god! It was really. This is it great. was. It was so strange. But but I didn't realize. I didn't make the connection until years later when I was watching the Chappelle show. Mm -hmm. And then pancakes I was like, and then I was like, holy shit, he does this pancake shit. <laughs> Wait, he really does, yeah, he does that. Does this mean Mo that you were actually in the studio with Carmen Electra? Like you had to absolutely. So, dude, she wrote everything. Go go, is, all that shit. So, what is that like? Like, because this is, is Wait, this the first time. I I want to ask about all that now. I'm yeah, sorry, because that right, no. That, oh, as long as we there, we there, we there. Right. Okay. So for those that don't know. In one of these strangest, uh, what was what was the old boy's name that um, Jane Fonda used to be married to? Wasn't he, Peter? 
Ted Turner. Oh, Ted Turner. Ted, Ted Turner. Turner. Oh, Ted Turner. Uh, yes. Ted Turner would like colorize all of his classics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And re- yeah, right. So for Prince fans, he took the Adora reels and redid Adore with Carmen called All That. Mm. Oh. And yeah, <laughs> it, it it didn't go down to... Mm too well but what was it like working with karma uh karma carmen mm-hmm. at the time period i mean was, you you basically built her you built it was it was fun it was fun she's she's absolutely um she's at she was actually she was actually the hip-hop fan in the room mm. wow, wow really yeah because because where's carmen from I can't remember, but it was ghetto as fuck. Really? Really? <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. Like, it was... And what she, yeah. I mean, she didn't come in the door as that image or that name. So right. during this period, you're getting to know her as whatever... What is, yeah. a, what is a real Common name? Common Electric. Damn. It's... Ter- Ter- Lee she, Patrick. Te- te- that's right. As- yeah. Damn, oh, how'd you yeah, know that? Because <laughs> I, I got Google, bitch. <laughs> no, I think you knew that already. <laughs> yeah, I about to say, yeah, that didn't come from a Google yeah. search. That came from a recalled memory. <laughs> a, a very well, specific one. Well, hey, I'm, I'm paid, though. Does it say where she's from? Where yes, she I'm is? working on that as we okay. speak. Okay. Yeah, because he had just Google it because he called another that. shit off the top. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. She's from Sharonville, Ohio. Exactly. Uh, sounds about right. Okay. okay. There you go. Yeah. Meth lab. There you oh, go. Shut up. <laughs> sounds yeah. about right. Before meth labs were a thing, she was like the first <laughs> meth lapper. Damn, Carmen Electric could have been. She could have been the first Nicki Minaj out this bitch. Exactly. Well, he tried it. Yeah. Let's <laughs> see what what I'm saying is. I remember that she was from some place that that wasn't you know hoity toity, right. you know, pretty city. She was from someplace rough, and that's from speaking to her and 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 developing a friendship and a relationship with her. To this day, me and Carmen Electra are cool. That to this, so you know, what I'm saying, which is so dope. Mm-hmm. But to this day, and that's that was the rap fan, and that was the real hip hop fan in the in the in the room. Is that one? She knew everything. She knew everything. She knew I everyone. Know. I could tell she was a Rock Him fan. Like you know, whoosh, wow. Yeah, no, she's which, like is, which is another reason why, like, uh, which is another reason why she caught my shit like this, like this. Okay. And I write, I don't write specifically to cater to uh, people that can't breathe. You know what I'm mm. saying? Like, I write specifically intricate. Mm. I write in a manner in which I don't want people to be able to recite my rhyme. Yeah. yeah. That's, oh damn! That, that's how I write. You know, I specifically write complicated, double, <laughs> double. Damn shit. right you do. Because I still saying? can't say the word merrily. Exactly. Merrily, merrily. Even now, I can't. Merrily, merrily. Fuck that. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Merrily, merrily, merrily. You can't say to Bergerac either. Terrily Patrick. What? Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm here. But yeah, she, she, um, that girl is incredible. She's, and it's like, she's not the first person. She's not the first woman to have, li- although it might be the first woman with her lyrics written by a woman. 
the first mm. woman is rhyming mm. with her lyrics written by another woman. That might yeah. be a first. Ghostess. You know, you know wow. exactly. But she caught everything. She caught everything. And that's why I bet you when you heard Get On, right? I bet you when you heard that song, her, you said to yourself, I sound like Moni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I knew that someone... I, I believe that at the time, and the same could be said for for Tony M. There, there, it was like the the DNA was real hip hop at the time. Mm-hmm. Like what you were doing, mm-hmm. what Rakim was doing, what Kane was doing, like all that iambic pentameter. You know, so yes, Moan. So. In your transition to radio, how awkward was it at the time in doing that? Not awkward at all. I didn't. Again, again. I can't. Was, I can't even say divergiac. So you know, I'll, I'll be a. This was okay. A horrible this was radio. Another, this was, this was, <laughs> Wait, hold on. You just turned it into a different word. Divergiac is like, a, like there should be no reason why I should know Cyrano. I know Cyrano. Okay. I would take just the, say Steve take Martin. The I like it. Take the dice. You Steve Martin. There you go. Bust. Good uh, reference. Todd Rundgren's on the phone for you. Shut up, man. <laughs> 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 wow, what timing. And he's, oh, out. Now he's just like that. On, <laughs> or in proper nouns that Amir does not know how to say. Okay. Rural, Todd Rural, Todd Rural, 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 Rural Jerry. Rural Jerry. Todd Rundgren. Oh, damn. Uh, yes. I, then I, I come in with my everything. caricature. <laughs> best wedding gift ever yeah, the caricature yeah. you yeah, were so confident oh so, so, so loud and wrong bro. so loud go loud proud oh like, my how? god and you said that loudly oh, yeah. proudly yeah. in a room full of people yes. it was a yeah. lovely caricature me and my wife he's oh. like at his wedding, they gave everybody their own caricature. And you know, know, I was like, what? I was like, what the fuck is a caricature? <laughs> yeah, so Moni, you need to teach these guys maybe some English lessons. Yeah. yeah. Iambic pentameter. What the fuck? Go ahead. Well, yeah. But the thing is, Moni, is that mm-hmm. assuming that you didn't go to communication school to learn to do this in front sale and back sale or whatever. See, I'm, I'm even forgetting the, the terms for radio. No, you got it. How how much of a crash course did it take for you to master it? It was like night school. And honestly, a whole sitcom could be made out of night school on radio. Actually learning how to broadcast during the unsociable hours of the morning to the point, <laughs> to the point. And it was me and Miss Jones together. Fuck, it was Miss Jones. Uh, yeah. Girl, Wait, y'all, you that's... started in Philly? Uh, no, we both started at Hot 97 in New York. Okay, okay. Mm. And okay. Steve Smith, who how did that come person, to who who offered that? How did that come to be? They had Ed, they had Ed and Dre in the morning. They had Funkmaster Flex. They had Angie from whatever station it was before flipped, and they mm-hmm. kept Angie. And uh, somebody's bright idea to Steve Smith, who was the person that flipped the station, was like, "You should seek out some other bona fide potential personalities that you think would fit." My manager got the call to bring me in to meet with Steve Smith. I went in. He said, how do you feel about being on a radio? And I said, for why? <laughs> like, why would I want to be on the radio? Because, you know. At, at the time, are you still, were you were you auditioning still? Or you were just like the one one acting thing and I'm out? Or was that before? I'm trying to put the timeline together. Doing what now? 
acting. What did I miss? Acting, because she did when you did the. Uh, oh, I did. Who's the man and strapped? Strapped. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that type of stuff was happening. I was still recording music, you know. So it was like, what do I want to be on a radio for? I know nothing about being on a radio. Steve Swistle is like, I, I will teach you, and I will get your FCC license for you. What the heck is an FCC license? Right. Nowadays? I was going to ask that. Right. And do we need it? No. But you, no, you don't. But you on on terrestrial radio, you had to have an FCC mm-hmm. license back in the days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You also have to be able to pronounce terrestrial radio. I, yeah, I was going to skip that word because, you know. And were you, so, yeah. and, and were you guys secrets? Because I know sometimes in radio, they let you come in at night, too, because they want to surprise everybody and be like, hey, and Moni Love is now to the radio station. Is well, that what- yeah, they didn't announce us as announcers right. yet, but right. they were training us. And let me tell you something. Me and Miss Jones would be messing up badly at nighttime. They'd be, <laughs> they'd, they'd be dead air for like 45 minutes. And then, the mics, and, and then the mics will be up and we're talking about, I, I hate that guy. I went out with him and he was such a piece of shit. And, da, da, da. and then she get a phone call like, uh, you guys have the microphone on. <laughs> oh, no. Like we was doing the dumb shit at nighttime. It was like, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> me and Miss Jones was just fucking up badly. Well, I consider this to be a, a a a lucky opportunity because you know I'm on a platform on iHeart but I kind of have some say in who I get to interview and I tend to gravitate to my tribe and who I like and who I know um I've given a bunch of news to people oh, that I, I know where this shit's going yes we don't, do no no oh I didn't even get there yet oh. but <laughs> in in doing terrestrial World juror. What is it? There we go. And doing trust. I don't know. It's just, just anything with more Sorry, than what you say. Four syllables is killing me right now. And doing terrestrial, terrestrial <laughs> radio. Yeah, see, yeah. Extraterrestrial radio. Yeah. Terrestrial radio. Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily have a say in right. not even who you play, but who you interview and all those things. So. Right. How do you handle when you're, you know, if you're five, six years in and you're interviewing an artist that you are indifferent on <laughs> or you don't know? Even now, mm-hmm. like if NBA, I'm, nothing against NBA Youngboy. I'm just picking the, the one. You're just gen, throwing a name. The I one Gen Z name that All everyone right. knows. <laughs> like how much research do you have or do, do your producers already write the questions out or... No, if you, you just if go off the lead sheet, what they tell you. No, you 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 got to read up on it. If it's something you, if it's a person that you don't particularly care for, but it you know an interview is demanded of that person because of whatever is going on. Uh, they got something new coming out. They have a project, whatever, blah blah blah, whatever it is that makes sense. You have to read up on them and do a little history so that you can prepare your questions. Doesn't matter if you like them or not. You got to put your personal shit behind you, which is why I couldn't understand that penis Morgan guy. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, that's called, that's called white privilege, but that's another conversation. Uh, uh, well, it's also male toxicity. I didn't realize that he. I didn't even realize that he had a relationship with Meghan Markle. He oh, tried to sociopathic, lower scale, but sociopathic narcissist is what that person is. Penis my uh, penis Myers. Yes, penis Morgan. <laughs> 
Penis Morgan. There he is right there. You know what? You know what? I said something. I was having a conversation with my oldest daughter about it, right? And I said to her, I was like, if I had to give you a quick analogy of what that whole situation was between the Penis Morgan guy and Megan Markle, it would be this. Remember back in the days when a girl would walk past a bunch of guys, they'd be like, baby, what's up? What's up? And you don't answer. And then the guy goes, fuck you then, bitch. That's that. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we Mags, do. You got, Mags, you got curved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. That. Yeah, because she didn't show up today. She met Harry that night. I heard exactly. the story. That, mm-hmm. that, that. Mm-hmm. Who I'm a pick? Damn. Harry or Pierce? <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> okay. Laya, yeah. let's get into it. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, the thing is, I I don't know the story. I... I Okay, I think so, that it's perfect that she's sitting here because she is the reason why the shit went viral. Well, well yeah, because the, there tell was us the is, young Jeezy story. Yes. Well, well yes, because yeah, as Moni said, we were on a we were on a morning show together, and it was funny because we knew Jeezy was coming, but everybody was really kind of more scared of what I was going to say to him, and I thought that was the fascinating part. Everybody was preparing me like, like you know, don't say this because at the time I was. And, yeah, like, let me let me just add <laughs> at that, the let time. Me add, that if y'all think like we're we're on at least what episode one one sixty oh right God. now, <laughs> if y'all think Lai is unhinged on this show, well not yeah, Lai is the only person I know that would routinely <laughs> daily like talk shit about Jay Z. I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing. Well, Moni, well, Moni was there that day too, where I got warned about us interviewing Jay Z <laughs> on the phone. And the, the problem was, and Amir, you know, the real problem was, is that I was like a whole roots warrior chick, right? So I was just like, <laughs> and, and I was on Mm-mm. some real. You about to shit. stop the bag, like yeah? No, that's true. Jay Z was it's like, true. Uh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> you but, tell that person and say that. No, no. Yeah, but at the time, that was when The Roots was on Def Jam. And as we know, all hip-hop fans know he didn't really do much for The Roots brand. And I was like, what the fuck? So, yes, I asked him those questions. But anyway, and, and anyway, so back to Jeezy, though. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was the one that was the girl that would, you know, crush 50 Cent CDs live on the air and stuff like that. Because I was just like, what is this shit is killing the black community? Da, 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 da. And Moni would even pull me to the side and say, like, you know, be calm when he comes. Just let him talk, blah, 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 blah. Okay, Moni, cool, cool, Moni. Mm-hmm. So, but then he comes, and I'm cool. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> Are you? And this is this is a pe- the period when Nas had the what? Hip Hop Is Dead album, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. And um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, now, Moni, this is where you pick up the conversation no, because you tell me no, how mm-hmm. I'm led to. No, keep going. I will. I'll chime in, but I want keep going. Okay. So we're talking about hip hop, and I cannot remember how Pooch. How he started the conversation about hip hop being dead, but mm-hmm. Moni, it was like she got the holy hip hop spirit, and she was like, "Yeah, hip hop is dead." Now Jeezy didn't like that. No, okay, now I need to stop you. Okay, uh oh, correct me. Mm, here we go. <laughs> okay, correct me. so yes, Pooch brought something up about you know how do you feel? He asked uh, Jeezy the question, "How do you feel about Nas's new album and his saying that hip hop is dead?" Yes. And so Jeezy basically said, "Well, I feel like." How can you really say that? Like, I don't really think that that's accurate to say that because that's how that's how I make my living. That's how a lot of us are making our living. We got stuff to say still. And so then I then jumped in on us and he was he was like, who is he to say that? And I was like, well, I think 
that what Nas is trying to say in that analogy is that once upon a time, there was there, there were several aspects of hip hop that were all getting light. All of them were getting light. It wasn't, mm-hmm. ju- it, it was the gangster stuff. It's the political stuff. It's the happy, we just hit a party type stuff. And definitely the stuff getting played on the radio. <clears throat> right. And then yeah. the more commercial stuff. It was, it was all of those aspects of hip hop that were all getting equal light. And I think what Nas was trying to say at this time, and this is me talking to Jeezy. Yes. So I think what Nas is trying to say at this time is that right now it's all one-sided. It's all about the, the, the street life and, 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 and the bitches and the, and, and, and the money and the cars and the this and the that. And that's not everything. So the, 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 the aspect of hip hop's multifaceted self is dead right now. I think that's what Nas is trying to say in that analogy. Yes, and at this time, Jeezy was not ready for that intellectual breakdown. And at at, at this moment, <laughs> we were not sure. <laughs> I think me and we were not sure due to his response to Moni. And Moni, you break down the response because again, okay. I, so I then after that, so then yes. after that, he was like. He 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 kind of got animated in his, in his speech pattern and was like, "Well, you know, you got a whole different type of appreciation of hip hop, ain't you from England?" And so then I was like, "So this is when me and Pooch realized he don't know who he talking to right now." <laughs> oh, he didn't even know that was Moni Love. Yes. Well, that's oh, what I, that's what I thinks because no, she this- said that. Yes, said it. I was. Yes, I said it on the mic. I was like, "Wait, yeah. who you you know who you talking to right now, right?" And, I swear to God, he didn't say Moni Love. He was like, yeah. yeah. Like, I no, I don't think he knew that you were that Moni Love. Yeah. He was like, you got a whole different appreciation to, you know, w- w- you know, we grew, we came up listening to something else. And in my head, I'm saying to myself, dude, you're not that much younger than me. Like, that's, that's not going to fly. You're not that much younger yes. than Man. me. It's not that big of a difference. And yes, I came up in, 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 uh, in England, but it's the same hip hop. So basically, we should we should be pulling from the same waters, the same Wait, streams. Let me interrupt. To his credit, not to his credit, but hip hop generations, it's like if you're before the five or after the five, it's night and day. Yeah. So me being born in seventy one, like anyone born after seventy five is almost like you might they might as well be twenty years younger. Like, you know why that doesn't make sense to me? I'm gonna tell you <laughs> with why. With the that exception make sense of Fonte. Wait, Fonte, <laughs> when were you born? I was born seventy eight. Yeah, like Fonte has like Mm -hmm. a savant knowledge of music, but anyone else I know in 78, I might as well be talking to someone born in 86. As I sit here and (laughs) I listen to you, as I sit here and I listen to you say that, I'm going to say this. I now have an appreciation for that factor. And so now, right now, I'll say, you know what? He really could have been on some different, for real, genuinely on a different planes and pulled from a different stream. But back then, I was looking at it like, dude, you're not getting a young card. You're not that much younger than me. We should have been pulling from the same streams. Why are you not understanding this? Why are you not understanding Nas's analogy? Snowman. Why are you not understanding it? That's where my head was at that moment. Well, and then is, it, was, it, is... was, it was worsened. It was worsened because... I am. I don't do well with over-talking men. Right. I don't do well. Then how are you on this show? <laughs> She's just a guest. 
We all but talk Mo, over each other, so but it's Mo, right. equal opportunity. When his ass stood up, though, because that's the part I was trying to remember. I was Uh-oh. like, that's the part when I was like, wait, what, what's going on? Why are you standing? Oh, he's well, about he's, to, he's about to get physical. No, he well, was about to. Ro- no, he about to roll. Oh, he was. Okay. He was. He was like, well, who is Nas to say this anyway? And at that that's, point, okay. Okay, so okay, so y'all remember Kim Waynes and her Mrs. Jenkins, uh, right? Right, right, you ain't heard it from me. Oh, oh, don't you talk about Miss Jenkins? But, don't but, talk about Miss Jenkins, yeah. We, okay, okay, she started crying and she don't, don't know if I've been don't, talking about Miss Jenkins. Okay, listen, listen, okay, don't talk about don't, don't talk, don't, don't talk about Nas, don't do that, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't do that I said, that's, so, a, that's a bad idea and so he stood up and was like who is Nas to say this and I was like oh oh and Zaya will tell you when I hit that note of the O it's, it's a problem when I when you hear me say oh I thought uh, it was a, oh. and it was a Nas is hip hop was it a Nas is hip hop he was like, nah, it was like do Nas bust his guns <laughs> and then I was like wait stop when he was like, uh, uh, um, when he Legendary said, quote. who is not to say that? And I was like, somebody that's been here for a very long time. And do Nas have street credibility? <laughs> he said and, that? And then, when he said yeah. that, I was like, Do Nas yeah. have street credibility? <laughs> do Nas, Nas bust his guns. guns? Do Nas got niggas in the feds? And I was like, and at that point, if you watch the video, you will hear me mumbling on the mic in a low monotone voice. It's dead. You just killed hip hop right now. Uh, you just yeah. it. It's dead right now. It's dead right. It's dead right now. With everything you're saying right now, it's dead. You just killed it. You just stabbed it. You just shot it. You just killed it. I, I wasn't even aware this. You happened. hear me say you see. You hear me saying that at that point underneath. Now, in hindsight, I look back at it and I'm like, what I was trying to relay to Jeezy in that interview is was simply that. The analogy that Nas was making wasn't to, wasn't to be disrespectful towards him and his sector his, of yeah, hip hop. The, the hip hop, yeah. yeah, it wasn't it wasn't anything to disrespect that. It was it was something that was it was analogy that was made to bring light to the fact that all the facets of hip hop music were were not being given and shown the same light and the same yeah. level of respect at that moment in time. That's all Nas was saying with that analogy at that time. But Jeezy took offense, you know, for, and, and, and I, in hindsight, I understand he took offense. He took it personally, like it was a, a dig at him, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I get that part. Also, perhaps the way that I was speaking in, in, cause I was calling him brother and I was trying to be polite and respectful mm-hmm. while I was speaking to him. He wasn't trying to hit, he wasn't trying to hear that. I think that's probably just ego, and bravado, uh, 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 being young, and I was also trying to trying to have a, mo- a, a teachable moment with him, as far as to say, protect all the facets of hip hop today. Otherwise, in 10, 15 years time, when the new kids on the block come up, and you're not this Jeezy that you are now, mm-hmm. which is the it guy, when when it's 10, 15 years later, them new guys can push mm-hmm. your shit to the, to the, to the garbage, mm-hmm. in the garbage can. So when I'm trying to have a moment with you now to understand how important it is to preserve all the elements and all the facets of it so that you can have a place to survive 10, 15 years later. 
You know what I'm saying? And it just, it just, Facts. it just wasn't coming. It, it wasn't he coming wasn't across. He wasn't ready. He was in his Gucci phase. It wasn't phase. coming across. Jeezy today would have. You know, right. Yeah. You know, it, I, don't, and don't forget back then, he, if you remember when, like, I think a month before he was, I, I, I mean, it was clearly a 50 cent troll move, but he was talking about, like, you know, I'm going to meet with John McCain and see what he's about. This was like I I remember that I right. He was he that. was a yeah. musical guest uh, on SNL I think in September or October two thousand and eight. Uh, it was kind of just putting uh-huh. out there like you know just because Obama's black I'm gonna vote for him. So I'm gonna see what John McCain has. You know he had his arm around John McCain at SNL yeah. and was like I'm gonna go to lunch with him see what he's about and, and you know and selling snowman shirts to little black kids and I don't rem- I, that I remember <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I remember that's that's McCain when I had a problem. I mean he's cool now you know but. In essence, Laia filmed the whole thing, did not know she was filming it. Okay. Oh, Laia ran out of the room as soon as that goddamn interview was over. And she loaded that shit to every possible blog in the world at that time. And yeah. that shit went viral like a muv so quickly. <laughs> and it was crazy. Wait, here's the, here's the crazy, crazier part. Nobody knows. I don't even know if you knew this, Laia. Nobody knows that I had been undergoing a renegotiation with the radio station six months prior to that day. Mm. And that day was D-Day when I had to make a decision on whether I was going to accept the contract that they gave me. And what it was, was there was a little piece of wording in that contract that I did not agree with, which said that in order for me to do anything using my face, my name, my, how did you guys say caricature? Caricature. Caricature. Okay, using my face, name, my caricature. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's that's radio. That's Touché. radio shit. That's radio. They wasn't used to, to celebrities, so they was just treating regular yeah, folks yeah. like, like shit. Basically, anything to do with my voice, anything to do with myself. If I wanted to write a book, if I wanted to be in a movie, anything, I would have to go to the radio station for permission. And that was, the, that was the only problem with the contract that I had. The money was great. We were at a good place with all, with everything except for that. And my my lawyers were like, could we just change this wording to something that is of a nature saying whatever that it is that I have in the works, a project, a book or whatever it is, the station will be it will be made sure that the station knows about this and therefore that it's mutually agreed upon as far as it's nothing to hinder the name. It's not going to, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not posing for Playboy. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Much to the dismay of many. But I'm not close to <laughs> That made me excited. I'm, Sorry. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the bottom line is, my lawyer was like, can we put some wording like that in it? They were like, no. So this day, then when just this Jeezy interview happened, was the last day. As soon as I got, as soon as we signed off, I had to go into the office, sit down with them, ask them, are you prepared to change the wording just on that little part they said no we are not and then i said well i cannot sign this document oh that was your i left that i left that i left that i I left that office i left that office that day at 11 30 by one o'clock in the afternoon my voice was completely stripped from the radio station yeah they they cleaned up real quick and that's what they did and so that that turned into jeezy got me fired yes Oh shit! That is, yeah, that turned into that. Jeezy got me fired, and I never corrected it. Mm. I let it be. Mm. Wow! I never, I never corrected it. Have you seen him since? 
I, I have not seen him since, but what's really interesting is uh, he worked on a song and uh, he worked with a producer called um, Ko. Ko is my child's, uh, my, my son's godfather. And my daughter was in Atlanta at the time. Ko, I was saying Ko in Atlanta, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, my daughter sang on a song called The Greatest, which was on one of Jeezy's mixtapes. Oh, wow. My child sang Full on circle. On, 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 yes. wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. But what's but but what's crazy, she said she met him at uh what is Diddy's at the Revolt convention mm-hmm. in two thousand and sixteen, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And she said that she said to him, you know, I sang on that song, blah, 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 blah. And it was she sang on it and uh he he asked the story is he asked KO. You know, Ko told him who it was that sang on it, whatever, and he asked Ko to put somebody else on it, like uh, a known person or whatever. Take my daughter mm-hmm. off of it, and Ko said, "No, the song comes with her. So if you're gonna use this, so. the song comes with her." And so he kept it on his mixtape, but he never put it on his album. Mm. My daughter was a little bit, you know, she was a little crushed crushed about that, and I felt bad about it too because I'm like, damn, it's because of me, and you know, mm. but. Oh. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. You know, you live, Charlena. I'm not going back on anything because they threw me under the bus after that interview. The way how the way how it went was it turned into the woman was the idiot. Oh, the woman, she Mm. was off as soon as I walked in. You know, he called Nas up, had a conversation with Nas. Nas called me and was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Right. I'm not going to tell you what the conversation was between me and Jeezy, but yeah, he mm-hmm. did reach out to me. And in my head, I'm saying to myself, you're damn right he reached out to you because that sounded ill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of that. Do we got people in the feds? Do the like, dude, it sounded, <laughs> it sounded ill. So you're damn right. You, he made sure that the man made sure that he called the other man mm-hmm. to have a conversation. Right. And then right. Throw, throw the woman under the bus. Oh, she was off as soon as I walked in. Anyway, something she something was about her was off in the first. This is him saying. This is Jesus yeah. saying that about you. Yeah, gotcha. Which was not. Yeah. Was it, which was the opposite. That's funny. You know, I don't. You know, I don't know. I don't know what type of females at that time he was used to having conversations with, yeah. and I, and I don't know if perhaps my, my my I don't know if perhaps my conversation may have been a little too quote unquote uppity in his eyes. Yeah. At that time. Mm-hmm. You know, but but the bottom line is the Jeezy that I see today is exactly who I thought I was talking to. It was exactly who I was trying to reach. I well, knew I wasn't matured. talking to him. Yeah, he's mature. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I wasn't talking to him back then, but I knew that that person was going. He to had that, that was inside him. Yeah. 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 And I was trying to talk to that person. Yeah. So that that's basically what that was. I've never seen him since then. Is that crazy? I've never bumped into him. I've never no. And you're in Atlanta. Yeah. That's yeah. I've I've never seen him since then. How long <laughs> ago was that? Was that eighteen years ago? Oh shit! Don't do uh, that. No, Don't do that. Two thousand eight. That was like oh, oh when was it? Yeah, that was yeah oh eight. Hip hop was there. It was oh eight. Two thousand eight. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thirteen. No, no, it wasn't. No, 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 no. I I left that station in 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 uh, February of two thousand seven. That was two thousand seven. Wow. Oh, okay. Seven. Okay. Yeah, that was 2007. My final question is, now that you're 
at this state in, in, in your life and all that you've achieved in anything, is there anything that you've yet to do? Do you get these, do you, do you get, uh, is there an itch that you want to scratch as far as like, Aside from the Making one in my house. Damn, damn, damn. I'm sorry. Second to last question. <laughs> Ultra Nate? We never, oh, wow. Right. Wow, you went there. <laughs> I, I was, I was the, yeah, Ultra Nate, real quick. So, Ultra Nate, what was it like working with her? She's awesome. She's this okay. tiny little powerhouse person. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ultra Nate opens her mouth and it's like she has a superpower. It's like she opens yeah. her mouth and the, everything turns into a, a um a tornado. <laughs> as soon as she opens her mouth and she's so tiny. She's a small little package of 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 Man. just terror. As Yo, soon as she opens her mouth. <laughs> oh, I do have a and, question before. Oh, go ahead, and she's singing go. on. She, I was just saying to clarify, she's the one that's singing on Ring My Bell. Absolutely. Um, and just that, so the that listeners know she is. That is and it was fun working <laughs> and with her. she's a big house singer. Like, she's legendary huge, house singer. Huge, you know. huge legendary. I was so grateful uh, to be able to work with her. And again, this comes from the mindset of not getting in my own way as mm. far as creativity. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Let me just ask, uh, because I know you got your last question, but I just thought of something too. Can you... Mo, as a as a legend in this game and as a as a commentator as well, can you talk about like who some of the young folks? Because I know you tuned into the young folks as well, but like who you listening to and and the younger sisters as well when it comes to MCs. Because I don't want to just ask you about female MCs, but I was just curious. Honestly, I'm tr- I'm trying to listen to a lot more. I tune a lot of it out. My kids are annoying. Um, <laughs> but I but, but for the sake of trying not to um, alienate them. I do make a conscious effort to give them car time when we're in the car and car DJ time so they can play stuff. But the only thing that I can't get past, and it's like I try not to be this hypocrite, is we. there was a period of time where we were cursing in our music and there were curses and there'd be curses. But for some reason... Nah, it ain't. <laughs> not, like, mm, not like this. What is this? What is it? I don't, it's like every other freaking word. And I didn't, I do experiments. Right. I do experiments uh, in the car all the that's time. That's fault. Where I'm like, okay, go ahead, play your stuff. Lacey's 12. That's my youngest. And she, I'll, I'll be like, all right, play your stuff. And it's like, uh, pussy, give me a head and a bitch. And, the, uh, yeah. and, the, and I'm like, God. <laughs> like, and I'm like, I'm not a prude. We've said curses. You know what I'm saying? Take in your mouth all day. That's yeah. you know, that's our era. You know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Like we have stuff, but it just it's just like it's like I don't get a break. You're an adult. It's like, now. I, don't, it's like I don't get a break. Well, wait. Since you're talking about your kids, yeah. which one of your kids has sort of inherited your your taste? Because a lot of I'm always curious on how hip hop parents raise their kids. Like, do their kids know? Who they are are the exact opposite, you know. Like, which one has your taste? Like, you can stop now and be like, okay, this this one, you know, knows the loves Marvin Gaye or whatever. Yeah. You know. No, no, the oldest one, and it's by default because she because you just forced her to listen yeah. to everything. I, I really didn't. She just was around it. Yeah. Oh, she okay. Just was a, it, it was just a natural thing with her. The oldest one, and she's thirty now. The rest of them, they're just they're they're into what they're into, and I try to listen. I do, and I do it often because I, d- I don't want there to be too much separation 
between us. I understand and appreciate that the times have changed and that what they listen to is vastly different from what I did. I mean, I used to be in the car with the two oldest girls and I used to put on a freeway, um, even though what we do was wrong. And my daughter that's now going to be 20, 24, she'd be in the car seat in the back, in, in the baby seat. And then my oldest would be in the shotgun with me. And she and I would go, even though what we do is, and then the baby would go, <laughs> you know we have that you know okay. what i'm saying um the two youngest my son is 18 and then my youngest daughter is 12 they're into their they're into their own thing there are those moments where they join in with with what i like to listen to but they're far and few like yeah man we like old school we like beyonce no, right, <laughs> for real. right. Like for Grandma real. Beyonce, Grandma knows. No, uh, my more than anything, they bond with me on some rock. Like my kids know Foo Fighters, they know Nirvana songs, they know um, right. Stone Temple Pilots, they know. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're because I'm I'm a rockhead too, so they know that stuff more than they know the a, a lot of the hip hop that I grew up listening to. Right. Wait, to that. I, I can't. You with Radiohead, Boney? You fuck with Radiohead? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'm surprised you say Coldplay, Fonte. Oh, totally. I totally. Yeah, I do. I knew we Totally. But listen, right, totally. totally but more so, more so, my 12-year-old knows Incubus like the back of her hands. And that's oh, wow. I am, I am Really? I am, Incubus. Yeah, I am a Incubus. huge Incubus fan. Damn. And I never miss a show. I Shout never out to Ben Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. Ben Shout and I, to- Ben and I are tight, and it's partly because of you. It's partly because of you, because you and I are family. So then, right. when 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 I reached out to him one time, he was like, "Oh my God, you have to come to the show." And ever since then, I've never missed a show. Ben and I are tight. Damn, that's what's up. That's what's yeah. up. Wait, I, I can't. I I have one last question, but I have two because I got to ask about how did how did how did the alumni form. I can't let you. Yeah, yeah. Your super group, uh, special ed, Chuck Rock, uh, uh, Dana Dane, and, yeah. and Kwame. This, right. This is yeah. where I have to say Dave Locus, Dave Locus, because he just texted me and said, make sure he get his shout out, Dave Locus. And no, he didn't. Shut <laughs> up. Yes, he did. That's yes, awesome. He did. Wow. Yes, yes, he did. Damn, Dave. That's horny, yo. <laughs> 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 Please answer. <laughs> well, um. Dave was already managing Kwame. Um, I don't know how they all got this idea together, but they did. I was the last person to be called. Uh, Kwame texted me and said he needed to talk to me about something, called me, spoke to me about the concept. Would I be interested? I was like, yeah, I'd be interested. Um, and it was, it was very quickly put together after that. And we started doing shows almost immediately. But here's the thing, right? Chubb stole your money. I'm playing. I'm playing. No, something new happens every show. Every show. Something new happens because they, it's like the A-team. There's always some shit. It's, you know, Ed is stuck at the mall because he had to go get some sneakers. I've got to go get some sneakers. (laughs) Or Chubb got a flat 21 miles out and we need to send a van to go get him. Dana... Uh, done drank off the whole damn uh, green room already before we get on stage. So by the time we get on stage, it's not me! 
Wow. This sound, boy, y'all sound like Bingo Long and the Traveling All-Stars. <laughs> listen. I would watch I, that show, though. I when watch I, it. Listen, when I tell you that this is the most glorified group of misfits ever, but it works. And how how it good does works. it feel to be able to do that though? Because it was a time when like artists like y'all like I feel like it was a resurgence of doing shows and stuff. I mean, even though it's COVID now, but it just feels good to be able to watch y'all. So how good does it feel to be able to do all these shows? It feels great because here's the thing, Amir. We don't get on and I do a set of songs and then I get off and then Chubb comes on and does a set of songs and then he gets up. It is absolutely. I'm doing, we're all on, listen, we're all on stage doing ad-libs in each other's songs, being each other's hype men. Check this out. I sing, excuse me, not sing. I scat the horn solo in Treat Em Right. Every show. (laughs) 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 Stanley Brown. (laughs) (laughs) I scat, I scat the entire horn solo. Of treat them right every. I was going to say between the five of you, like with all your respective hits and the well loved classic album cuts, that's that's a very tight, mm-hmm. damn near could could be near two hour extravaganza. Absolutely, you guys present. Oh no, it is easily we condense it because a lot of shows that we get on the bill, we only get like you know it might be twenty minutes, thirty minutes, or something like that. So oh we have damn! To, we have to condense the show, so we tailor make it, to it according to whatever billing we're on. And then please let us mm-hmm. not forget, we have a DJ set in the middle of our show because DJ Tap Money, I yes, Tap, yes, Tap, is our is our DJ. Does he still have his half row? He's uh-uh. yes, yeah, no, no, he doesn't have <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't have his hat. Well, he does, but it's on his belly now. Oh. <laughs> oh damn! Anyway, <laughs> Yo, the only reason why I know that is because he does a belly. He lifts his shirt up as part of his DJ uh, set, and he's moved the fader with his belly. Wow! So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Yo, I should remind everybody, you guys, Moni's closing out Women's History Month, and I just wanted to say it's so perfect because I don't think people give you flowers enough, and I'm so yeah. glad that you had this flowers. time to stay with us. Like flowers, sis. Like flowers, flowers. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Yeah. Nah, man. I, I I did not know that you know your your I guess kind of the tentacles of your career went as far as they did, and this is the first time I'm hearing any of these stories. <laughs> you know what I mean? Me too. So, yeah. This this is amazing. Like you really uh you really were an inspiration and you know again yeah. just in a word or two for me i was like man <laughs> i, I <laughs> love that song <laughs> man that was the one i, I love that song okay. and um that's the only time prince got hip-hop right for me and the fact that he did it with you i think that says a lot about you uh, uh, definitely intertwines a lot i'm really glad that you guys have me had me on um amir one of my fondest memories of of the roots is um I pledged myself to be their sister, okay? And um, I was so serious about being sister to the Roots that when they won Grammys that year, um, I drove by myself from New York to Philly at nighttime by myself to go to their Grammy party at... uh, Oh, electric, electric factory. factory. Yeah. Ha ha. That was a fun <laughs> night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't like you. <laughs> yes. yes. Action and adventure. Yes. No, only yeah. only because that was the night where they where they played the clip of us winning. And then 
uh, I asked my girlfriend at the time, I'm like, wait, what does in theory mean? And she's like, that means you didn't deserve to win it. And I was like, wait, did Moby just say in theory the roots? She's like, yes, he did. And I was like, I've never, oh, I've never. I mean, I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no. We, he, we. I said that in an interview once when he he said on the red carpet that he loved Buster Rhymes so much that even if Buster Rhymes is not the winner of that night, that he's going to declare Buster Rhymes the winner. So, of course, you know, when he's reading off the nominees and says, and the winner is, I was in the audience like, oh, we're not going to win. We're not going to win. We're not going to win. And then everyone jumped up. I was like, oh, shit, we won. I didn't hear what he said. So when we got watched it. the clip okay. that night, and he's like, and the winner is in theory, um, in theory, the roots. And I was like, hey, <laughs> what does that mean? And they're like, fuck Moby. That means he's he didn't think you deserved it. Like you right. technically won it. <laughs> right, right. And that's just that's when I started throwing my Grammys in the bathroom and you know And know what it feels like to get in a fight with Moby. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. That kind of started sorry. that 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 planted the seed of me like not wanting praise and uh, I don't deserve this shit. That like that really did a number on me. Like he he gave me a heartfelt uh email apology once I told a friend of his like right. you know what how bad that not hurt me but just uh, affected me mm-hmm. to the point where mm-hmm. I was indifferent to that shit and he felt really bad about it. So he apologized. But yeah, that night I had a whole, you know, a whole nother view of that Grammy party. Like I never, I hated flowers at that moment. So oh, wow. okay. that, that's, that's, that's the origin of the flower and Amir's anti-flower movement. But. And the evolution. Got it. But it's, we're back. Yes. We're, we're as, flowers. As Gracie as wasn't having was that, giving so she you made love. me reclaim it. So. This is my first time hearing any of these fucking stories. This shit is yo, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yo, what's funny? He I never told te- you about that. He didn't even talk I about. I never do that shit. He didn't even talk about the real fight that went down at the party. But we'll talk about that later. That shit was ill. <laughs> there was a fight. It was a yes. Remember the shoot, the couple fight, couple against couple, roots member against roots member and girlfriend and so uh, Yeah, yeah. Like, you <laughs> the look, look on Amir's face right shit. now. <laughs> yo, Can you guys want to say their names? Can I tell it? Yeah, sure. Real quick. Yeah. Okay, was it was it someone that was married in the band? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. He was married. Who the first were fight. they fighting? They were fighting the the, the first uh, uh, keyboard player. That's what they was. Remember, it was the first keyboard Whoa! player and, and, and his black <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> And yeah, <laughs> versus the new one and his gangster wife. All right, I'm done. And Moni, sorry, oh you was getting love. You was getting love. I'm so sorry. Oh my god. Oh my god. Whoa. Whoa! Yeah, I did not know this. Yeah. Okay, revelations. <laughs> true, you gotta have a Scott true root story storage episode one day. Yeah. <laughs> Can we? Or, is this permission? Because is it? Is this a? Because you said it on tape. Is per- um, <laughs> yeah, I don't see why not. Oh my god! Thanks, yeah. Mo. Thanks, Mo. Thank you, Mo. You're I appreciate welcome. it. You're welcome, Mo. Mo. Thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Moni Love. Uh, this is Questlove Supreme. Can you guys still hear me? Yes, yep. we can. Uh, okay. This is the perfect way to end the show. <laughs> is this thing still going? <laughs> yeah, we'll see you next go round on Quest Love Supreme. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Sugar Steve. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think and who should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. 
What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.